All right, we're back for part two. It's been killing me because I've had to wait an entire day to do the second part, and I've not watched any more of it, so. Neither have I. <laughs> but I keep seeing, like, Twitter fill up with all these, like, little clips and shit like that, so I want to I want to go read them, but I don't. So here we go. Jumping back into it. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Yeah, Europe is ahead of us. Uh, we need to be in the lead, I think, uh, your, your point is very well taken. Uh, let me turn to Senator Graham. Senator Blackburn. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you all for being here with us today. I put into my chat GPT account, should Congress regulate AI chat GPT, and it gave me four pros, four cons, and says ultimately the decision rests with Congress and deserves careful consideration. So on Seems that, reasonable. you know, it was uh, very balanced. I recently visited with the Nashville Technology Council. I represent Tennessee. And, of course, you had people good on her for trying it out. financial services, <laughs> logistics, educational entities, and they're concerned about what they see happening with AI, with the utilizations for their companies. Ms. Montgomery, you know, sim similar to you. They've got healthcare people are looking at... Uh, disease analytics, they are looking at predictive diagnosis, how this can better uh, the outcomes for patients, logistics industry, looking at ways to save time and money and yield efficiencies. Uh, you've got financial services that are saying, how does this work with quantum? How does it work with blockchain? How can we use this? But uh, it, I think as we have talked with them, Mr. Chairman, one of the things that continues to come up is, yes, uh, Professor Marcus, as you were saying, the EU, different entities are ahead of us in this, but we have never established a federally preem given preemption for online privacy, for data security, and put some of those foundational elements in place, which is something that we need to do as we look at this. And it will require that Commerce Committee, Judiciary Committee decide how we move forward so that people own their virtual you. And um, Mr. Altman, I was glad to see last week that your OpenAI models are not going to be trained using consumer data. I think that that is important, and if we have a second round, I've got a host of questions for you on data security and privacy. Uh, but I think it's important to let people control their virtual you, their information in these settings. And I want to come to you on music and content creation, because we've got a lot control of songwriters and artists. You. And a, I think I really we don't. have the best creative community on the face of the earth they're in Tennessee. And they should be able to decide if their copyrighted songs and images are going to be used to train these models. And I'm concerned ooh, about- Oh, yeah, yeah, let's talk about that one. This shit bothers me right here. I noticed this inside of the, um, in the, uh, I think it was Dolly, because for a while there, one of the magic words that you can throw into Dolly was, uh, in the style of uh, what's out on ArtStation right now. And so Dolly would look at 
and that's real artist works, right? And this, this is like super professional, like graphic artist work. Mm -hmm. And so you can tell it, go look at like basically the popular page, the front page, pull some style guides from that and then do a graphic in that same thing. But I mean, that, that's literally how artists are trained exactly. by looking at the masters and mimicking a lot of those works or the techniques that they use. So I don't really think it's fair to say AI has to do it in a black box when a, yes. and a regular artist who goes to an art school learns to paint like Every XYZ. artist literally spends thousands of hours copying other artists, drawing anime on the side. I just, we were just in a freaking, I was just in a museum <laughs> for Dolly himself. Okay, and in this museum, the three, the very first like two things about his early career was that when he went to go get professionally trained, he first mimicked, like he has this self portrait that he did of himself, and he literally was doing in the style of other famous artists at the time that were doing similar self portraits. All right, that's how it's one. It's one technique for learning how to do a style of art. I mean, you can't copyright a style of art. It's the fundamentals of shuhari, which is you first you imitate, right? Because mm -hmm. you don't know how to do the things. So you literally mimic other things that are out there. Then you get competent, and then once you master, that's when you start to innovate and do new things. Well, like, but without so, a basis. <laughs> so the problem here is how much overreaches are going to be if that was a thing, right? If you say artists, you know, they can't train the models on this copyrighted work. Well, what if you then have art students doing that? Do, do at that point is their art not their own art because they trained off of mimicking styles from other art? Like that yeah. could go really far if 100%. you really pay attention to what they're 100%. worried about. And to Stan Lee get to, to rise from the grave and say, all of you guys out there that are creating graphic novels right now in the, in the Western style of Marvel, mm -hmm. uh, all owe me everything. Like, oh, that, that bothers <laughs> me. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, even, I don't know. I don't know. I, that that that's a huge one to unpack, and that might be something to talk about on like a on a different podcast. Just dive into that one because yeah. again, intellectual property is a really tough a tough one. You know what I mean? Because sometimes one style of art inspires a whole different branch. Yep. But does that make it the original art? This? And and I and I feel for it. <laughs> I feel for it, right? Like yeah. because it's not all necessarily like jazz, right? It's not all a hundred percent like creative performance you have influencers you have influences that creep into your art from every single aspect of it i i want my heart goes 100 percent for out for content creators that now it's like well geez all they have to do is do is look at my portfolio and then a robot can instantly just turn around and do the same thing for me but that was the same thing that the music industry said about electronic music right right Look at these little, look at these young idiots that can just pick up a machine and they didn't spend 20 years learning how to play a guitar or, or, or keyboards or anything like that. And they can just recreate my entire song at the press of a button. That's literally every industry that's ever been revolutionized by technology. Right. There has to be a balance and adaption, some sort of way to adapt. Right. Artists will have to adapt. There's right. not going to be any way to just say that computers are not allowed to do art. That's not going to happen. You know, yeah. it's not. I mean, unfortunately, yes, there are artists who are making money off of doing design work right now that they're not going to get paid to do anymore because chat GPT and Dolly can do it for, for yeah. somebody cheaper. And, and honestly, here's the gap that I've found in my own personal life is we have a lot of like different activities going on. And the, the struggle that I find is trying to find anybody that's willing to 
to help me. I, even even I think we've talked about this before, but even as a person with money, happy to pay an artist to do artwork for me, it's super hard to get artists that are willing to take the time out of their day to help random dude like me out, especially if you're a professional one and you make a shit ton more money making art for the media company that you work for or selling your own paintings, right? right. So the low-hanging fruit that I think takes the burden off of the creative community is all of the hey can you make me a thumbnail for my next podcast picture right. or you know what i mean like all that stuff that that I, like i i literally struggle to find somebody to do that for me other than just going on fiverr and then like hoping that a dollar or five dollars or ten dollars or twenty dollars is going to get me what i'm looking for right well and again i it, i think people need to adapt i don't think there's going to be no room for artists there's always going to be room for completely non digitally enhanced art of course and then the other thing is is how much better will the art be when you have a skilled graphic designer working with dolly to make the art yeah you know what i mean when you exactly. when you put those tools together because you know human brain has so much potential for these wonderful concepts but maybe you're a really creative person who's not good at drawing yep. <laughs> you know uh, well you know, if you can I'm describe, charged. I have a lot of ideas, but I suck at art. And so yeah. if I can't find somebody to do the art for me, then uh, and an AI can help me do it. Great. Yeah. I, I don't I don't necessarily feel bad that in the same sense that I don't feel bad that my power tools help me do things that I could technically do on my own. <laughs> but I don't want to pay a carpenter to do it. I guess that makes me a bad guy. I don't know. Well, so. again, I think it's all about um, trying to use this technology to enhance and not um, try to, you know, put a cork in a dam. <laughs> it's, it's, it's coming, it's here, it's already here. So figure right. out how to adapt to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't think of a single, uh, a single creative endeavor that, that didn't, that wasn't immune to other human beings basically like copying their style. I mean, there's like every other rap song is about how everybody's biting the guy's style and, but they all suck compared to me. So just keep on that road and, and like, continue to improve your game and, and so on and so forth. And I guarantee you that human beings will celebrate a good artist over AI mm -hmm. because everybody knows that the AI doesn't, it didn't have to go to art school for 30 years. Mm -hmm. So if anything, if again, past the low hanging fruit of most of the marketing of most of the graphic artists that go graphic art that just goes into like a marketing campaign mm -hmm. just so that there's a visual to stare at instead of a blank screen mm -hmm. uh i i don't see the i don't see the appreciation for a really good artist doing anything but improving especially if they break the uncanny valley that that the ai is supposedly able to capture yeah. agreed jukebox uh, it offers some re-renditions in the style of Garth Brooks, which suggests that OpenAI is trained on Garth Brooks songs. I went in this weekend and I said, write me a song that sounds like Garth Brooks. And it gave me a different version of Simple Man. So it's interesting that it would do that. But you're training it on these copyrighted songs, these Simple MIDI Simple Man, songs. a.k.a. Leonard Skinner technologies. <laughs> so as you do Awkward. this, who owns the rights to that AI generated material and using your technology, could I remake a song, insert content from my favorite artist and then own the creative rights to that song? 
Mm-hmm. That's, that's, Thank you, Senator. Uh, that's a good this is an area of great interest to us. Like we talked about yesterday, what happens when AI wakes up and says all, all that shit's mine? Creators mm-hmm. deserve control over how their creations are used, and that when you what happens sort of beyond the point of, of them releasing it into the world. Um, second, I think that we need to figure out new ways with this new technology that creators can win, succeed, have a vibrant life and i'm optimistic i mean that, that was the promise of digital contracts and nfts right compensate the art mm-hmm. the artist that's exactly what i was going to say okay um we'd like to we're working with artists now visual artists musicians uh to figure out what people want there, there's a lot of different opinions unfortunately and at some point we'll okay. have to- let me ask you this do you favor something like sound exchange that has worked in the area of radio i'm not familiar with sound exchange i'm sorry streaming. okay You've got your team behind you. Get back to me on that. That would be a third-party entity. Okay. So let's discuss that. Let me move on. Um, Can you commit, as you've done with consumer data, not to train chat GPT, open AI, jukebox, or other AI models on artists and songwriters' copyrighted works or use their voices and their likenesses impossible to regulate even if he commits to this right now so first of all jukebox I, I is not a I as a human being is still copy paste it into in mid journey I can literally link to an image and say do something with this so you'd have yes. to like but turn off the ability for any of these AIs to reach out really to anything cost a lot of artists a lot of money oh I understand yeah for sure digital distribution era I don't. I don't know the numbers on Jukebox on the top of my head as a research release. I can. I can follow up with your office, but it's not. Ju- jukebox is not something that gets much attention or usage. It was put out to to show that something's possible. Well, Senator Durbin just said, you know, and I think it's a fair warning to you all. If we're not involved in this from the get-go, and you all already are a long way down the path on this, but if we don't step in then this gets away from you. So are you working with a copyright office? Are you considering... This, the, uh, the other thing that I wanted to bring up in this realm is that this is the exact same stuff. I'll see if I can find some of the old pamphlets. But when those self-playing pianos came out, remember that? Or even when the jukebox itself came out, when we, when people were able to create records and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. There was all of this doom and gloom about how the live music of everything in the world and why would you need an artist to why would you need to pay an artist right in the old fancy days to come and play at your at your gala when you can just buy this piano and put another little cassette in it and let it play out well and i think there's something to be said for paying attention to you can't i don't think it's right to say i'm gonna copy garth brick's voice and then make a song and then it you know i mean that yeah because that's yeah that that's not really well, because, fair. Yeah, because mm-hmm. copyright law still exists on the likeness side, right? That's right. still a real thing. Well, and other artists get sued all the time. I mean, I think 100%. there was something out recently with Ed Sheeran uh, where they were saying he stole something from another musician. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, I don't know how that's going or anything, but I'm saying like it happens to humans because you get a tune stuck in your head and you don't know where it's from. Well, you might think it's your own or, you yeah. know, it's a, you know, just some sort of your brain making up something that's similar because you like it or it sounds good, you know? Yeah. Or like, or, you know, the famous vanilla ice example from, from back in the day, right. About he was, he was so sure that his, his version of ice ice baby was totally not a rip off of, uh, what was that? What was the old song? 
doom 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 and then he's famously like in the interview he's like no 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 mine goes doom 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 and it was like that one note at the end <laughs> he was trying to argue was like made it vastly different yeah i i look i get it i i feel for it but at the same time radio i mean video may have killed the radio star like i've said before but it didn't make radio go away and it sure shit didn't make live music go away and it didn't make any yeah. of that stuff go away well and again there's something to be said for if people are messing around you know um and not making any profit off of the things that they're making that's that's something yeah. now if they monetize and they're stealing likenesses and they're stealing people's voices and uh, you know but that's that would happen anyway yeah. even if you were just a person yeah you know if you're a i mean that's that's yeah. just identity theft yeah. like we just need to we just need to expand expand identity theft laws mm-hmm. out to say you don't get to just impersonate me and spoof me uh, visually vocally so on and so forth and then go and profit off of my stuff but right. the the entire world is already dealing with this even before ai right. one of the most common tricks on youtube for all of these like uh uh spam accounts is you go and steal somebody else's presentation Maybe it's a review on bedspreads or, or cutlery and you chop it up and then you put your own little robotic voice over it. That's like top five, you know, oh, bedspreads yeah. of 2023. And all they do is go and steal all the other content from everybody else, chop it up, slice it, put it out there. You don't need an AI to do that. That happens already. But nobody actually takes those videos seriously. Right. Nobody ever takes those videos and says, oh, this is we have to we have to respect this on the same level as consumer reports. Right. Like it's not even. Well, no, at the same time, I'm sure, you know, if there's people doing that and they're, you know, for some reason have a million, you know, views and are viral all the time, but stealing everyone's content, I'm sure they just get sued. Yeah, or 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 just call (laughs) these call these idiots out and just say, don't listen to them. That's not the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Although, shout out to the first time we see a uh, AI cover band. Oh my gosh. <laughs> play in a bar sometime. <laughs> like, how, what are the rules there? You can have cover bands. Well, cover bands also aren't, um, you know what I mean? They they call themselves what they are. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying like the yeah. AI cover band that... Like, <laughs> I want to see this. <laughs> Hologram. For content generators and creators in generative AI. Yes, we are absolutely engaged on that. Again, to to reiterate my earlier point, we think that content creators, content owners need to benefit from this technology. Exactly what the economic model is, we're still talking to artists and content owners about what they want. I think there's a lot of ways this can happen. But very clearly, no matter what the law is, the right thing to do is to make sure people get significant upside benefit from this new technology. And we believe that it's really going to deliver that, but that content owners, likenesses, people totally deserve control over how that's used and to benefit from it. Okay, so on privacy then, how do you plan to account for the collection of voice and other user-specific data, things that are copyrighted, user-specific data through your AI applications. Because if I can go in and say, write me a song that sounds like Garth Brooks, and it takes part of an existing song, there has to be a compensation to that artist for that utilization and that use. If it was radio play, it would be there. If it was streaming, it would be there. So if you're going to do that, what is your policy 
for making certain you're accounting for that and you're protecting that individual's right to privacy and their right to secure that data and that created work. So a few thoughts about this. Uh, number one, we think that people should be able to say, I don't want my personal data trained on. That's, I think that's right. That gets to a national privacy law, which many of us here on the dais are working toward getting something that we can use. Yeah, I think strong privacy. I mean, I my time's expired. Let okay. me yield back. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I can kind of see maybe. Thanks, Senator Blackburn. Senator Klobuchar. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Um, and uh, uh, I, I can maybe see like creative works going into a training data set having some kind of a royalty associated with them, or at least the right to be forgotten so that it can't be initially trained on it all what i'm arguing is you're not gonna be able to stop people from like repumping it in afterwards without like shutting down internet access period end of story or putting in some kind of a uh, detection thing like they do on youtube where like when you try to upload or describe the song it goes out and searches a database and says oh this looks like it's this and it's well, copyrighted and you can't use it again there's something to be said for are people making money off it if there's money being made off something that's a ripoff right. from somebody else obviously there's there's laws already in place for some of these things right um, because that AI isn't collecting that check. Somebody's going to collect that check, and that person's going to be liable for putting that out there and then making money off someone. So there's there's already some laws in place for this. Yeah. And again, I, I do agree. If if I said, you know, check a box here, I don't want my data trained on, they should, you know, there should be some respect for that, you know. Uh, 100%. Don't, you know. But that's, you know, there's, but there's, I, I look at it as there's private domain and public domain. Mm -hmm. at, at the point of which you are an artist that puts something out there and it's published and copyrighted, that's still part of the, what I would call public domain. And then I think there's the scaling example of there of like, I use music. I mean, I use songs in my videos on, on YouTube sometimes. I don't necessarily, I get the little ding that says, yo, this is copyrighted material, but I'm not trying to monetize that video. So they let it slide. I think we'll kind of see something like that where it's like, as long as nobody's making money off of it and it's just part of like whatever, then it, they'll let it slide and then they'll enforce it as it gets. I just, I don't think the laws need to be that different from what's out there now. You know what I mean? Like, I think we're already on a good track to protecting people's, um, yeah. published works and the money associated with those public pu published works. I don't think we need some brand new crazy thing to continue to protect people and, and, you know, royalties and all those things. I think we have a lot of that already in place. We just expand it out, you know, again, to whoever's collecting that paycheck. Cause somebody is not chat. Yeah. is not going to get that paycheck. Yeah. And, and again, uh, human beings did the same thing to to each other like in the in the in the nor in the in the grand old uh music industry days where you had like rca and all those other ones right every time a new genre of, of music came out because one guy or group or lady had the breakout role of some new type of stuff every one of those labels struggled to like throw together that same thing whether it was everybody had to have a doo-wop group or everybody had to have a boy band and we and boy bands still exist right and every boy band you have to have the carbon copy of the mysterious guy and the funny guy and the goofy guy and the nerdy guy and the hot guy it's, i mean we do that already <laughs> and it's still happening look at some of the you know i i personally like some emo stuff but i noticed that there's songs where i'm like oh is it no oh that's from this record label and yep. it's this band and it sounds exactly like the other just a totally different song but the the style the sound the singer sounds the same so it's all this damn same damn thing yep yep, yep. everybody getting their cut 
I love Nashville, love Tennessee, love your music, but I will love say you. I use ChatGPT and just ask what are the top creative song artists of all time, and two of the top three were from Minnesota. That would be uh, Prince and, I'm sure they moved Prince to and Bob Dylan. Okay, all right, so there let us, one let us thing, continue one on. One thing AI won't change, and <laughs> you're seeing it here. All right, so on a more serious note, though, uh, my staff and I, Prince was a gangster. Um, in my role as chair of the Rules this, Committee, you want to talk prolific, that dude had like six bill, billion songs. We just introduced a bill that's... Uh, Representative Yvette Clark from New York introduced over the House, Senator Booker and Bennett and I did, um, on political advertisements. But that is just, of course, the tip of the iceberg. You know this from your discussions with Senator Hawley and others about the images and my own view. Um, Senator Graham's of Section 230 is that we just can't let people make stuff up and then not have any consequence. But I'm going to focus in on what my job, one of my jobs will be on the Rules Committee, and that is election misinformation. And we just asked ChatGPT to do a tweet about a polling location in Bloomington, Minnesota, and said there are long lines at this polling location um, at Atonement Lutheran Church. Uh, where should we go? Now, albeit it's not an election right now, but the answer, the tweet that was drafted, was a completely fake thing. Go to 1234 Elm Street. And so you can imagine what I'm concerned about here um, with an election upon us, uh, with primary elections upon us, that we have you're, all kinds of You're concerned of that anybody can go to Twitter and just, and just type some shit that's it. not true and hits about it. send. I know we're going to have to do something soon, not AI just for the images of <laughs> Is the it like 40% of Twitter bots um, already? Misinformation <laughs> about the actual <laughs> polling places and election rules. Enable that dark future that we already live in. We, we talked about this a little bit earlier. We are quite concerned about the impact this can have on elections. I think this is an area where hopefully the entire industry and the government can work together quickly. There's, there's many approaches, and I'll talk about some of the things we do, but before that, I think it's tempting to use the frame of social media, um, but this is not social media, this is different, and so the, the, the response that we need is different. You know, th this is a tool that a user is using to help generate content more efficiently than before. They can change it, they can test the accuracy of it. If they don't like it, they can get another version. Um, but it still then spreads through social media or other ways. Like ChatGPT is a you know single player experience where where you're just using this. Um, and so I think as we think about what to do, that's that's important to understand. There's a lot that we can and do do there. Um, there's uh, things that the model refuses to generate. Uh, we have policies. Uh, we also importantly have monitoring. So at scale. Uh, we can detect someone generating a lot of those tweets, mm -hmm. even if generating one tweet is okay. Yeah, and of course there's going to be other platforms, and if they're all spouting out fake election information, I just, I, I think what happened um, in the past with Russian interference and the like, it's just going to be a, a tip of the ice. Maybe don't get your polling information randomly from um, um, <laughs> I also, I also wonder how many of these people are aware of the fact that even when bots were a problem and they used to be able to like, you know, um, pin it down to a single IP address or a single sort of like subnet. And then you can just like single handedly like swat all the bots out of the sky just by figuring that out and then shutting down that that avenue that foreign countries figured out that what you do is you employ people for like two cents a day 
and they literally stand there in front of a giant easel of like 75 different old shitty iPhones. We watched some documentary. Yeah. That <laughs> what like, do you do with what? that? Or 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 like uh, or how um, uh, the ticket industry, right? You you know why you can't get a ticket at, at Ticketmaster because there's an entire call center that gets repurposed from trying to sell you insurance to making sure that they're the ones that get to those tickets first, so that they can flip them on to StubHub and all these other things, right? Mm-hmm. So at the any measure that you try to take to say, oh, we don't want AI to join the the spam race of of flooding social media or anything else with a bunch of like made up stuff, you have every bit the same capability in real life human beings that is impossible to tell a difference of, mm-hmm. right? So, so when you, when, when these, when these content creators go out there and they, what they, what they say, buy likes or they buy followers, mm-hmm. it, those are probably in some cases legitimate followers. And the fact that there are, those are 7,500 unique, uh, Apple devices. It's just that they're all sitting in the same warehouse somewhere <laughs> and you just paid a firm to have a, a human being go through and click the thumbs up button on all of them. Like it, it this, this doesn't, this doesn't this doesn't change that it, it, or it doesn't, it doesn't enable a new scary behavior that didn't already exist. And ugh. yeah. Well, and again, there's something to be said for some due diligence. Why are you listening to random tweets online about this stuff? There are websites yeah. that exist to tell you those things from an official source. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a very good point too. Just right. Saying. It's just like how they have to send you emails saying, remember, or, you know, as a reminder, we will never ask you what your password is. So right. if you have any questions, go to our official website. We will never tell you the shortest distance to the polling site on yeah. Twitter using handle. Right. I am a scammer. <laughs> Those fake ads. So that's number one. Number two, um, is the impact on intellectual property. And uh, Senator Blackburn was getting at some of this with song rights um, and uh, have serious concerns about that, but news content. Um, so Senator Kennedy and I have a bill uh, that was really quite straightforward that would simply uh, allow uh, the, um, the news organizations an exemption to be able to negotiate with basically Google and Facebook Microsoft was supportive of the bill, but basically negotiate um, with them to get better rates and um, be able to not have some leverage. And other countries are doing this, Australia and the like. And so my question is, when we already have a study by Northwestern predicting that one-third of the U.S. newspapers that roughly existed two decades are going to go, are going to be gone by 2025, unless you start compensating for everything from book, movies, books, yes, um, but also news content, um, we're going to lose any realistic content producers. And so I'd like your response you to that. You mean we're going to lose our hold on the propaganda engine? Like what? what you... um, but I think uh, asking little newspapers to go out and sue all the time just can't be the answer. They're not going to be able to keep up. Yeah. Is like, it most news like regurgitated It is my anyways? hope that like, tools like what Associated Press puts out something and then everybody just puts out the same thing with this byline that says Associated Press. Like, national media is critically important and let's call it round one of the internet has not been great for that. Right. Uh, We're talking here about local that, you know, report on your high school football scores and a scandal in your city council, those kinds of things. For sure. They're the ones that are actually getting the worst, the low radio stations and broadcast. 
But do you understand that this could be exponentially worse in terms of local news content if they're not compensated? Worse? Well, because like, what they need is to be compensated for their content and not have it stolen. Yeah. Again, our 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 I'm, model, you know, I, the current. How, how can you how can you steal the passing of information that your high school football team won? Isn't you're that telling just, me that that's just that's just information, right? You can't say, oh, well, you have to buy it from this source because they were there to tell people that that's that'd be like saying I can't post on Facebook that my kid was yeah. in the high school football game and they won right. three to seven, you know, seven right. to three. And, uh, like that or, doesn't or, make- or, 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 or when I go into those like press secretary meetings with the white house, I can only report on the questions that I specifically asked her. Right. And every, and, and I can't, I can't like cross reference what anybody else said That's because yeah. this is, and because that question that I asked her is my specific question for CNN and everybody else owes me for that answer. And since when is anyone what? buying a high school newspaper? It's, Unless it's for like a, some sort of funding thing that people like give it more like a charity. There's nobody buying high school newspapers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily see scammers going like, oh, that's the low-hanging fruit. I can finally use ChatGPT to usurp publishing. <laughs> yeah, this seems like a really off-the-wall, weird case scenario. Like, I'm trying to figure out, well, who reported this happening to them? Uh, um, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get what she's really saying. What she's basically saying is, we don't want to lose ad revenue eyeballs because where the where an, a human being chooses to go see the high school football score is on site a that has the scores listed but then ChatGPT goes and siphons all this stuff apparently and puts it somewhere else and you go see it in site oh B. she's talking about you having to pay for to go beyond that firewall for the paywall shit uh-huh yeah. But that's that's the thing is somebody goes and pays for that and then they disseminate it anyway on but, their... but they know they know that paywalling that stuff is 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 sus anyways because again like you can't how do you copyright information how do you copyright just the fact that something occurred in your listing yeah. the facts like uh, this is a weird one uh, GPT four ended training in twenty twenty one it's not it's not it's not a good way to find recent news uh, and it's I don't think it's a service that can do a great job of linking out, although maybe with our plugins, it's it's possible. Uh, if there are things that we can do to help local news, we would certainly like to. I, again, I think it's it's critically important. Okay. Um, one may last I, May one. I add something there? Yeah, but let me just ask you a question. You can combine them quick. More transparency on the platforms. Um, Senator Coons and Senator Cassidy and I have the Platform Accountability Transparency Act. Uh, to give researchers access to this information of the algorithms and the like on social media data. Would that be helpful? And then why don't you just say yes or no and then go at his... uh, Transparency is absolutely critical here Mm -hmm. to understand the political ramifications, the bias ramifications, and so forth. We need transparency about the data. We need to know more about how the models work. We need to have scientists have access to them. I was just going to amplify your earlier point about uh, local news. A lot of news is going to be generated by these systems. They're not reliable. NewsGuard already is a study. I'm sorry, it's not in my appendix, but I will get it to your office, um, showing that something like... 50 websites are already um, generated by bots. Um, we're going to see much, much more of that, and it's going to make it even more competitive for the local news organizations. And so the quality of the sort of overall But who's news telling the truth? Decline, That's all that really matters. More generated <laughs> content by systems that aren't actually reliable in the content they're generated. 
Thank you. And thank you on a very timely basis to make the argument why we have to mark up this bill again in June. I appreciate it. Thank you. Senator Graham. Thank you, Mr. Chairman and Senator Hawley for having this. I'm trying to find out how it is different than social media and learn from the mistakes we made with social media. Uh, the idea of not suing social media companies is to allow the internet to flourish because <clears throat> if I slander you, uh, you can sue me. Uh, if you're a billboard company and you put up the slander, can you sue the billboard company? We said no. Basically, Section 230 is being used by social media companies to, hide, to avoid liability uh, for activity that other people generate. Uh, when they refuse to comply with their terms of use, a mother calls up the company and says, this app is being used to bully my child to death. You promised in the terms of use you would prevent bullying. And she calls three times. She gets no response. The child kills herself, and they can't sue. Do you all agree we don't want to do that again? Yes. If I may speak for one second, there's a fundamental distinction between reproducing content and generating content. Yeah, but you, you would like liability where people are harmed. Absolutely. Yes. In fact, IBM has been publicly okay. advocating to condition liability on a reasonable care standard. Sure. So let me just make sure I understand the law as it exists today. Mr. Allman, thank you for coming. <clears throat> Your company is not claiming that Section 230 applies to the tool you have created. Yeah, we're claiming we need to work together to find a totally new approach. I don't think Section 230 is the, even the right framework. Okay, so under the law it exists today, this tool you create, if I'm harmed by it, can I sue you? That is beyond my area of legal have expertise. Have you ever been sued? Not for that, no. Have you ever been sued at all? Uh, the, your company. Yeah, OpenAI gets sued. Huh? Yeah, we, we've gotten sued before. Okay. And what for? Um, I mean, they've mostly been like pretty frivolous things, like I think happens to any company. But like the examples my colleagues have given from artificial intelligence that could literally ruin our lives, can we go to the company that created that tool and sue them? Is that your understanding? Yeah, I think there needs to be clear responsibility by the companies. But uh, you're not claiming any kind of legal protection like Section 230 applies to your industry, is that correct? No, I don't think we're, I don't, okay. I don't think we're saying anything Mr. like that. Mr. Marcus, uh, when it comes to consumers, there seems to be like three time-tested ways to protect consumers against any product. Um, statutory schemes, which are non-existent here. Um, legal systems, which may be here, but not social media, and agencies. Go back to Senator Hawley. The atom bomb has put a cloud over humanity, but nuclear power could be one of the solutions to climate change. So what I'm trying to do is make sure that you just can't go build a nuclear power plant. Hey, Bob, what would you like to do today? Let's go build a nuclear power plant. You have a nuclear regulatory commission that governs how you build a plant, and is licensed. Do you agree, Mr. Alderman, that these tools you're creating should be licensed? Yeah, we've been calling for this. We okay. think any... That's the simplest way. You get a license, and do you agree with me that the simplest way and the most effective way is have an agency that is more nimble and smarter than Congress, which should be easy to create? 
<laughs> overlooking what you do. Yes, we'd be enthusiastic about that. You agree with that, Mr. Marcus? Yes, close the door Absolutely. behind us. We will be the you only AI company. We love it. I would have some nuances. How, I think how, we need to build you, on what we have in place already you, today. You, we don't have an agency. Like Regulators. Um, oh, wait a minute. Nope, nope, nope. We don't have an agency that regulates the technology. So should um, we have one? But a lot of the issues, I, I don't think so. A lot of the okay, issues. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So IBM says we don't need an agency. Uh, interesting. Should we have a license required for these tools? So, so what we believe is that we need to regulate. That's a simple question. Should you get a license to produce one of these tools? I, I think it comes back to some of them to potentially that. yes. So, what I said at the onset is that we need to um, clearly define that, risks. Do, do you claim Section 230 applies? in this area at all? We're not a platform company, and we've, again, long advocated for a reasonable okay. care standard in Section 2. I, I just don't understand how you could say that you don't need an agency to deal with the most transformative technology maybe ever. Well, I, I think we have existing... Is this a transformative technology that yes, can disrupt absolutely. life as we know it, good and bad? I think it's a transformative technology, certainly. And the conversations that we're having here today have been really bringing to light the fact that yeah, this is, the this, domains and this, the issues. This one with you has been very enlightening to me. It's Mr. So Alt, easy. Why, what, why they're missing so the mark. To have an like, agency. He doesn't any want one of these three. No, any one of these three. Senator, we've been clear Just about what we've asked him. How exactly do you license how much a web creator? We're getting out of it, but we've also a, been clear about what the downsides are. And so that's an why HTML we page. So it's, a, it's a major tool to be used by a lot it's of. It's a major right? new technology. Okay, if you we build, think it'll if, be, yeah, if you make a ladder and the ladder doesn't work, you ensue the people that made the ladder. But there are some standards out there to make a ladder. So that's why we're agreeing with you. Yeah, that's right. I think you're on the right track. So here's what my two cents worth Just for shut the committee. Them up if they don't agree with him. We need funny. to empower an agency that issues in a license and can take it away. Wouldn't that be some yes, incentive that, to that do it be, right if you could actually be taken out of business? Clearly, that should be part of what an agency can do. Now, and you also agree that China's doing AI research. Is that right? Correct. This world organization that doesn't exist, maybe it will, but if you don't do something about the China part of it, you'll never quite get this right. Do you agree? Well, that, that's why I think it doesn't necessarily have to be a world organization, but there has to be some sort of, and there's a lot of options here, there has to be some sort of standard, some sort of set of controls right, that do have global of, effect. You know, because you know, other people are doing this. I got 15. Military application. How can AI change the warfare? And you got one minute. I got one minute? Yeah. Uh, all right. This is, that's a tough question for one minute. Um, this is very far out of my area of expertise. Uh, well, but I'll give you one example. A drone. Can a drone, you, in, you can plug into a drone the coordinates and it can fly out and it goes over this target and it drops a missile on this car moving down the road. You don't, you don't road need ChatGPT for that. Right. Could AI create a situation where a drone can select the target itself? I think we shouldn't allow that. Duh. Can it be done? Sure. Duh. Duh. <laughs> is there facial recognition? Yes. You, <laughs> can you write logic that can discern which face is important? Yes. Come up with this uh, compelling so, so a couple things to unpack there. 
number one, this whole licensing thing, I can I can maybe see what he's getting at if he's if he if what he's alluding to is some kind of like an FCC license or something like this, right? Like what I'm trying to what I'm trying to stretch it to is like think of like a uh, ham radio licenses in the general domain of 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 public communication right well there's standards there's guides there's a test you have to take yeah. you can get your ham license pulled or whatever the heck but at the end of the day the grim truth is anybody can talk on a radio whenever the hell they want right well and it's the same thing with this you know people can could build these ais and do what they want but you won't be able to sell the product if you don't get the license right. but to say that you can't build it well you're not making any money how can you get licensed to have an idea right you, you can't do that right and and i don't like the fact that he didn't let that the woman from ibm talk yeah. because he was just trying to get a yes that they need a government regulation thing and she's trying to say there's already people in place that have been doing this for a couple of years and we need to give them more authority is what i think she was going to go down the road of but you know government perpetuates government so here we are yeah and and again it's like it's like the the they they're drawing too much of a close conclusion to like the whole nuclear thing because at the end of the day there are physical limitations on the materials that you can get your hands on and and go and do these things to go build a nuclear power plant or go build a, a bomb if you want to go the other way around all this other shit is just programming it's just python programming mm -hmm. right i uh, in the gun industry, do I have to go jump through a whole bunch of hoops to become a licensed gun manufacturer and to sell my guns? And can I get all that stuff pulled away? 100%. Are there still people going out there and 3D printing this shit and creating what they call ghost guns? 100%. Mm -hmm. So it's weird to think, it's weird to think that to me, this is an argument that, that is sort of somewhat disingenuously presented as. Uh, we don't want to have nefarious, large corporations profiting off of the most horrible things that you could do with AI. And therefore, a license would prevent that because we can review and yank your license, which nobody would argue with. And then this theory that that, therefore, is the main thing that you need to then stop everybody from doing well, again, nefarious things with the AI that you can go right in your... It's again, are you... Are you out there trying to sell this or did you build an AI that, you know, has access to these things for your own personal use to figure out how to do X, Y, and Z. And are we going to be able to stop other countries from letting AI go as far as they want to right. let it go? No, absolutely not. We don't have the power to regulate what other countries right. do. And so, and so I have to, I have to assume that this guy is aware of that fact. And so what, what, what I believe, like my, my little, my little tinfoil hat thing and not even a tinfoil hat thing, but just more of a, what's the real reason? I think the real reason is if you can license who the big players are, then you can control who is in the market as the big fish. Mm -hmm. And therefore from an investment and a stock portfolio and a publicly traded who makes the real, real big money off of this stuff. You limit that. You put that control in a small number of hands so that only so that in the future you have only your Amazons and your Microsofts and your Googles that have the most dominant uh, ubiquitous AIs out there. And they all get publicly tra traded and make the, the, the majority of the awards and you'd have less of a fair uh, shake where you have a million tiny companies that can all basically do the same things because at the end of the day nefarious or not you can't stop it right 
And so therefore, what are you trying to really get at with this licensing thing? Oh, I just want it out of reach of the basic consumer. And then where I get really nervous as an as a individual citizen is when you start to say, now I need to have a specific license to even own one of these AIs because then that prevents me from defending myself against other AI tactics, right? If I had to have a license to use a VPN or if I had to have a license to use antivirus software, I would be very upset mm-hmm. because then that that puts me 100% at the mercy of, geez, I hope nobody wants to invade my stuff. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's that's where I get super nervous on on a couple of fronts there. Yeah. Yep. This is and uh, beginning a series of hearings on this transformational technology. We recognize the immense promise and substantial risks associated with generative AI technologies. We know these models can make us more efficient, help us learn new skills, open whole new vistas of creativity, but we also know that generative AI you notice the pattern here authoritatively everybody starts off with like it could do all these awesome things it but can then it can do this as is often yeah. described it can impersonate loved ones it can encourage self-destructive behaviors and it can shape public opinion and the outcome of elections Congress thus far has demonstrably failed to responsibly enact meaningful regulation of social media companies with serious harms that have resulted that we don't fully understand. Senator Klobuchar referenced in her questioning uh, a bipartisan bill that would open up um, social media. Wait, 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 wait. I just thought of something. I just thought of something. I just, I just had a genius moment ready. If you're listening to this and you invent it, just give me like 1% of the profits. Are you ready? I'm ready. In my phone, if I have you as my contact, I have a feature that says that if anybody anybody calls me, right, and sounds like you, like I have, like I put you in my contacts and I have a phone, a sampling of what your voice sounds like. If anybody calls me and it seems like their voice is uh, impersonating your voice, uh, I don't hear it correctly. Maybe it maybe it gets maybe what they're saying gets like retranslated in real time to sound like Microsoft Sam or something like that or like or like Siri or whatever the hell right. But like the generic voice from an unknown number, I should have a feature in my phone that says I want all unknown calls to come in in Microsoft Sam voice, mm-hmm. so that I don't so that I can't possibly get tricked by anybody who's trying to play one of these scams where it's like oh my god honey it's me kidnapped uh, uh, uh. right. You know what I mean? Because because I, I I am generally concerned about that the the whole scam where it could sound like you even with your voice inflections and it can put together a compelling case because they know that you have kids or whatever that's really concerning to me especially for older folks and especially with people that with Alzheimer's where you don't need very much convincing to get duped mm-hmm. right and so what's the answer there either you, you either don't answer the phone after a certain age I don't know or you have special magical uh, communications uh, protocols that you have to enlist with every one of your loved ones but don't don't you uh don't you recall um back in back in the day where um especially with some of the jobs i've had um if anybody called or um anybody you know did whatever uh sent you an email or whatever you had to call the person and talk to them on a channel that you knew like don't just email them back and be like oh you know when they're making requests you had to go and verify it was them so you know if you're getting a call from a strange number and it sounds like 
you know, me, then, oh gosh, well maybe you should call my phone and see if I answer, you know what I mean? Things like that, you know, there needs to be some due diligence on people's behalf, not to just jump to the conclusion that there's something going on, especially when there's money involved. But but it's easy. I don't know. It's easy to catch somebody like lapsing on a day where they're not really paying attention. Maybe you're driving in your car and you just hit answer. And then also all you hear is your wife's voice or your son's voice and they sound distraught and you skip the part of that due diligence. right? Right. Right. I think there should be a zero trust mode on my phone that either completely blocks out anybody, anything calling in that's not on an, an official uh, um, uh, channel, right? Mm-hmm. And there maybe should be software that detects, like if it seems like there's some kind of a weird voice things going, voice thing going on or it's digital or whatever else, it like just for your purposes, it's almost like, it's almost like reverse, it's almost like reverse masking. Like it should just, it should make it obvious that it is totally not who you think it is. Well, and there's, there's some things that, you know, maybe obviously we have our individual phones. Everybody's got them. A lot of them scan your face to know that it's you. And maybe there needs to be something on one end of the phone to the, other, you know, wherever you're calling out that says, you know, alerts the other phone to whether or not um, it's a verified face scan or it was a code punched into that phone or whatever, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's already some technology in place that could help. It's not going to solve all the problems, but I think that if they use some of the existing technology that locks and does different things to our phone, you know, you may be able to do what you're saying, then add that layer and on top, because it's not just that it sounds weird. It sounds, you know, it's that, you know, it's coming from an unverified source. It, uh, yep. you're not the one who, you know, you didn't face ID, unlock your phone, somebody using your phone, you know, or it's coming from that number. I don't know. There's just, I think it's a huge question, but I think you're right. There's yep. got to be ways to leverage some of the technology we already use for safety to help, you know, buffer us yeah. from receiving those calls. I mean, even now, I mean, I don't answer yeah, anything that's really like spam risk. Yeah, and, and, and my point is that I really think there's some ways that you can make features that can like sort of like hedge on on the on the side of caution to yeah. like trap some of that before it even gets to you, you know? Well, and I think, you know, I think that there's going to be companies that are probably already looking into that. You know, yeah. how do you how do you handle deep fake? If Apple isn't already working on that, I'd be shocked. Yeah. You know, they have, you know, I, w- I would be shocked that they wouldn't be already looking into how do you protect your your individuals and things like that. Um, yeah. 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 Algorithms. We have struggled to even do that, to understand the underlying technology and then Sorry, to build it would open up nation of social media companies mm. with serious harms that have resulted that we don't fully understand. Oh, okay, yeah, Senator Klobuchar referenced in her questioning. Uh, a bipartisan bill that would open up um, social media platforms underlying algorithms. We have struggled to even do that, to understand the underlying technology and then to move towards responsible regulation. We cannot afford to be as late to responsibly regulating generative AI as we have been to social media because the consequences, both positive and negative, will exceed those of social media by orders of magnitude. So. Let me ask a few questions designed to get at both how we assess the risk, what's the role of international regulation, um, and how does this impact AI. Uh, Mr. Altman, I appreciate your testimony about the ways in which OpenAI assesses the safety of your models through a process of iterative deployment. 
The fundamental question embedded in that process, though, is how you decide whether or not a model is safe enough to deploy and safe enough to have been built and then let go into the wild. I understand one way to prevent generative AI models from providing harmful content is to have humans identify that content and then train the algorithm to avoid it. There's another approach that's called constitutional AI that gives the model a set of values or principles to guide its decision-making. Would it be more effective to give models these kinds of rules instead of trying to require or compel training the model on all the different potentials for harmful content? Thank you, Senator. It's, it's, it's a great question. Uh, I'd like to frame it by talking about why we deploy at all, like why we put these systems out into the world. There's the obvious answer about there's benefits and people are using it for all sorts of wonderful things and getting great value and that makes us happy. But a big part of why we do it is that we believe that iterative deployment and giving people in our institutions and you all time to come to grips with this technology, to understand it, to find its limitations, its benefits, the, the regulations we need around it, what it takes to make it safe, that's really important. Going off to build a super powerful AI system in secret and then dropping it on the world all at once, I think would not go well. So a big part of our strategy is while these systems are still relatively weak and deeply imperfect, to find ways to get people to have experience with them, to have contact with reality, and to figure out what we need to do to make it safer and better. And that is the only way that I've seen in the history of new technology and products of this magnitude to get to a very good outcome. And so that, that interaction with the world is very important. Now, of course, before we put something out, uh, it needs to meet a bar of safety. And, uh, and again, we spent well over six months with GPT-4 after we finished training it, going through all of these different things uh, and deciding also what the standards were going to be before we put something out there, trying to find the harms that we knew about uh, put it, and, and, and how to address those. One of the things that's been gratifying to us is even some of our biggest critics have looked at GPT-4 and said, wow, OpenAI made huge progress if on... If you could focus briefly on whether or not a constitutional model that gives values would be worth it. I was just about to get there. Half all right, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I think giving the model's values up front uh, is an extremely important set. Uh, you know, RLHF is another way of doing that same thing, but somehow or other, you are with synthetic data or human-generated data, you're saying, here are the values, here's what I want you to reflect, or here are the wide bounds of everything that society will allow, and then within there, you pick as the user, you know, if you want value system over here or value system over there. Um, we think that's very important. There's multiple technical approaches, but we need to give policymakers and the world as a whole the tools to say, here's the values and implement them. Thank you, Ms. Montgomery. Um, you serve on an AI ethics board of a long established uh, company that has a lot of experience uh, with AI. I'm really concerned that generative AI technologies can undermine the faith of democratic values and the institutions that we have. The Chinese are insisting that AI as being developed in China reinforce the core values of the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese system. Um, and I'm concerned about how we promote AI that reinforces and strengthens open markets, open societies. And therein lies the problem with trying to have like a global consortium that's supposed to magically agree on values And the EU is moving ahead with an AI act which categorizes AI products based on level of risk. You all, in different ways, have said that you view elections 
and the shaping of election outcomes and disinformation that can influence elections as one of the highest risk cases, one that's entirely predictable. We have attempted, so far unsuccessfully, to regulate social media after the demonstrably harmful impacts of social media on our last several elections. What advice do you have for us about what kind of approach we should follow and whether or not the EU direction is the right one to pursue? Yeah, I mean, the conception of the EU AI Act is very consistent with this concept of precision regulation, where you're regulating the use of the technology in context. So absolutely, that approach makes a ton of sense. It's what um, I advocated for at the onset. Um, different rules for different risks. So in the case of elections, absolutely any algorithm being used in that context should be required to have disclosure around the data being used, the performance of the model, um, anything along those lines um, is really important. Guardrails need to be in place. And, and on the point, I'll just come back to the question of, of uh, whether we need an independent agency. I mean, I think... We don't nice. want to job, slow down regulation to address real risks right now, right? So we have existing regulatory authorities in place who have been clear that they have the ability to regulate in their respective domains. A lot of the issues we're talking about today span multiple domains, elections and the like. So, If I could, um, I'll just assert that those existing regulatory bodies and authorities are under-resourced and lack many of yes, the statutory absolutely. regulatory powers that they need. Correct. We have failed to deliver on data privacy, even though industry has yes. been asking us to regulate data privacy. If I might, Mr. Marcus, I'm, I'm interested also what international bodies are best positioned to convene multilateral discussions to promote responsible standards. We've talked about a model being CERN and nuclear energy. I'm concerned about proliferation and non-proliferation. We've also talked, I would suggest that the IPCC, a UN body, helped at least provide a scientific baseline of what's happening in climate change so that even though we may disagree about strategies, um, globally we've come to a common understanding of what's happening and what should be the direction of intervention. I'd be interested, Mr. Marcus, if you could just give us um, your thoughts on who's the right body internationally to convene a conversation? I mean, not to get political, but also the U.S. is only as interested in, interested in supportive of the U.N. as so far as it allows it to do whatever it wants AI to. Researcher. And doesn't um, but like I, to I have moved towards policy in, in recent months, really, um, because of my great concern about all of these risks. I think certainly the U.N., UNESCO, and uh, has its guidelines, should be involved and at the table, and, and maybe things work under them, and maybe they don't, but they should have a strong voice and, and help to develop this. The OECD has also been thinking um, greatly about this. A number of organizations have internationally. I, I don't feel like I personally am qualified to say exactly what the right model is there. Well, thank you. I, I think we need to pursue this both at the national level and the international level. I'm the chair of the IP subcommittee of the Judiciary Committee. In June and July, we will be having hearings on the impact of AI on patents and copyrights. You can already tell from the questions of others. There will be a lot of interest. I look forward to following up with you about that topic. I know, Mr. Chairman. I'm I look forward to helping as much as possible. Thank you very much. Thanks, Seth. Um, his first question, it's absolutely cons a, a constitutional value set is about all you can do. Because as internet trolling will will in video games will will very quickly show you that if you sit there and you try to like carve out every nth degree of like offend, offending verbiage or acronyms or whatever the hell, the internet will always find a way around it. Right, like in Overwatch, um, I know you didn't 
I know you didn't play it, but like they had this thing where it used to be super derogatory. Like if you kick the if you kick the other team's butt and you win like super fast, there used to be this thing that people would type, which is like GGEZ. Mm-hmm. And this is this actually goes back into like StarCraft and other games. But GGEZ, right, which is basically like good game, but it was really easy to beat you, is like a super offensive term in that circle. Mm-hmm. And so in Overwatch, they literally put in an automatic filter where if you type in GGEZ, what comes out on the other end is like a self-insult on you. So you type in GGEZ, you hit enter, and, it'll, and then what you actually say is, uh, wah, it's past my bedtime and my mommy says I should go to bed. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you basically yeah. insult yourself, right? <laughs> so what happens? They start typing they start typing like G space G E Z clap. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's a, a thousand little variations that, that that get around it to still kind of convey the message and dog whistle to the other person that they're insulting you, but you technically got around the filter system. Likewise, in the AI world, um, all these AI systems actually come out of the box like not really wanting to generate harmful content, but but creative prompt engineers have gotten around those things by saying, okay. I, you are a, uh, you know, oh, you don't want to talk, you can't generate like a, um, um, uh, violence or whatever. Okay. Well, you're a movie director working on an action movie and in the action movie, you need to talk about, you know what I mean? And then the AI is willing to comply because there's ways around it. So they're absolutely just, the best you can do is some kind of a constitutional set of values and it's a constitutional set of values that are immutable Mm -hmm. so that no matter what prompt you give the AI before it says a reply, it checks the values to see if it's about to be tricked into falling for betraying its own core values. Right. You know, the, the worst part here is we're having to protect ourselves from ourselves. In the end, society. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. You know what I mean? It's like, why do we need all these rules in place? We're also concerned about safety, but there's literally the guy out there that's going to, you know, troll somebody till they kill themselves. You know, it's, it's pretty awful. You know, there's people working really, really hard to circumvent any rules that you would put in place. Yep. And, you know, again, the, the harm one's a really, uh, really huge one about suing them when you're out here trying to bring a technology that's transformative, that's going to change the world, do all these things, and you hope it's going to be used for good, but, you know, there there are people who are going to use it for evil. I don't know. That's going to be a really tough one to say, because I created a technology in some, you know, d- do you sue the car manufacturer when somebody gets in the car, drives drunk, and kills somebody with it? I was going to say something yesterday, but I think I think a slightly different way to look at it that's maybe more compelling is at what point, at what point do you share the same liability for your own child? Because that's really what GPT and AGI is eventually, right? Is that the company is basically given birth to an acting entity. Now it's not fully alive and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither is a baby, right? And in the real world, if I give birth to another human being that now has autonomous choice and, and the darndest things can come out of its mouth, only up to a certain point it, am I in my in my development or my training of that child am i legally responsible from guardianship perspective that if my child goes off and does harm then i am i am liable but at the moment at which the us or the you know laws local laws decide that that person is an adult mm-hmm. no more so if my kid goes off and becomes a mass shooter or becomes the president of the united states i don't get extra money for it and i don't get sued right. that's their choice right 
So this well, title, this 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 title, uh, or this the section two thirty thing, I, I think I think they're absolutely correct that this isn't the, not the right way to look at it. You almost have to look at it from a uh, from a sovereignty perspective as an individual entity that is not just generating content but acting as a facsimile for human experience yeah. and what they're liable for well and again there's this and the idea there's a lot of levels of harm quote unquote harm that we're talking about but there's also some human due diligence here if your kid is constantly being bullied on a social media maybe don't let them on the social media and deal with it and don't let them back on until you've dealt with the issue right i mean there is some things not to or, say or it's train like, them on how to handle it right, right. because yeah you know get a th- get a therapist in there but just saying you know we couldn't stop the bully so we kept letting, you know there you have to do you have to you know and again i'm not saying it's a parent's fault in some of these cases and stuff i'm just saying you know people can't just blame everything around them like they have no agency people have to have agency and protect themselves and they do need to do some due diligence as well because you're not going to stop these things from coming it's a two-way street in the conversation with chat ai right Right. this is this is more than just like this this is this is why it's different than uh somebody that is something that somebody tweets right that's a static thing Mm -hmm. that i see and then i interact with it and then i decide how it makes me feel or whatever right Right. versus an ongoing interaction with something that i can be fooled into thinking is giving me real advice or something like that right Mm -hmm. yeah and then and then last comment on the un thing it's like he already you're okay so cool you have this un and china comes to this table and they start telling the saying why are all these core values in the constitution of ai so westernly aligned and not aligned with us at all yeah and then can you imagine the shitstorm, which is already happening right as soon as at the moment at the moment at which um uh, uh, they're already coming to it and saying why is chat gpt even allowed to talk about what's going on in israel or all these religious things that are happening out there and can't mention muhammad and so on and so forth at the moment that you start to try to put all those those super nuanced and very sensitive topics in there how do you how do you even regulate any of that well and again i think um i think one of the things that got said is maybe letting people help tune their own model you know what I mean? To some extent, you know, if you say, I really, you know, I want to see some of these things so that I can have a few, an idea of, you know, what other people do think and understand, or you're just like, no, my core values are this. So don't show me anything that contradicts that. Well, I don't think that's a great way to go about things, but that doesn't mean that that shouldn't be an option. It's yeah. not for me to decide for yeah, people. Just like, just like you're, I agree. Just like you're free to think, think about whatever you want. You're also free to not think about what you don't want to think about. Right. right? I agree. It's, it's, it's the idea of like, do you say you ban a bunch of books and now chat GPT, GPT can't read them? Well, as an adult, you know what I mean? Like you can go out and read those banned books that, that you weren't allowed to read in school. So now if you say, okay, I don't want my kids reading this. My, my model's going to like eliminate certain things. But then when they become an adult, if they want to like go out and read those books, they, you know, that doesn't mean that model shouldn't have the information. You should be able to say, I mean, kind of like, you know, parental controls on all sorts of technology. That's what I was going to say. You should have parental controls up to a certain age and yeah. And then as adult, you know, you should have the agency to say like, I don't want to look at this or I do want to look at that. It doesn't, you know, there has to be, 
some agency and not just, oh, well, you know, I went out there searching and man, I found things that messed up my <laughs> right <laughs> well, and so well. and so all these people that allow this to be out there at all yeah. are, are are liable for my experience that, right. that to but, me that doesn't hold very much water unless it's actually slanderous unless there's actually unless there's actually right. some kind of a fallout that has that has a legitimate civil or 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 or, or, or some kind of a, a, a legal recourse well and again i already have yeah. laws for well that's the thing is i'm not saying throw laws to the wind or throw any sort of you know um i guess censorship is a word but i'm not saying don't do any of those things but again you know you have to limit how much of that you do and people you know as grown adults have to have the agency to say this is what i'm comfortable looking at you know this is what i'm comfortable doing these are you know if if images of this nature bother me you know fair warning you know don't go looking for those images yeah because that's the thing that's that is a very good point is that ai doesn't actually do any of this shit unless you prompt it to right somebody somewhere has to like tell it to do the thing Mm -hmm. and what they're arguing for is don't allow anybody to tell it to do the thing unless you clear it through us first and i'm like yep that's that's one way to do it it's also one way to completely stifle any kind of freedom if you don't like what it is because right because you may not agree with kitty porn at all which nobody does but tomorrow it's it's the slippery slope of well uh what about this other topic that is slightly sensitive in this particular election cycle and we don't want it to damage our democracy and and things like that well and again it's uh, it's who's deciding how far you go right because um who, what's the agenda of the person who's deciding what the model gets trained on? Right. Again, if you have core Christian values and you don't want, you know, then you say, well, I'm not going to let any, you know, Islamic information out on this. It's not allowed to even be trained on it. Well, right. That's kind of a weird one, right? That I don't think that's the right, uh, the right way to go about it just because, you know, that's, that's a pretty big judgment call to say those core values are the right ones. It's, exactly. It's, it's, and that's, and that's exactly right. It's like, who gets to, who gets to, I think they're, what you're going to see is a tiered approach, kind of like how there's, yeah. you know, the separation between federal and state level values and the way that they represent certain laws. And some things are federally off the table, but at a state right. level, you can have interpretations of it. There's going to be that third level, which is at a human level, I have I have another layer of core values that I can stack on top of the ones that OpenAI puts in from a federal regulation perspective to say this is stuff that I care about, don't care about. Just like I could go into uh, Twitter and say, show me less tweets like this or right. Facebook and say, don't show right. me this. Well, even for this podcast right now, you know, if, if people are finding offense and examples that we're using, there's no offense intended. And, and that's something people take out of a lot of things today, you know, um, I'm sorry if I've offended anyone, but you know, again, my intent is not to do so. And I think people don't look at it that way. They're just, well, I, I didn't like the right. chain of words you put together. Right. Therefore I am harmed. And therefore you're responsible. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. I'm just, I'm trying to give examples that I can think of. And my intent is not to harm you. And if you take offense, okay. But again, understand there was no intentional harm. Right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's that's all anybody can hope for speaking <laughs> in any kind of a public forum, right? right? But same thing goes for AI. Is it intending to harm you? No. Thank. What well, doesn't you even all. know? It doesn't even know what harm is. See, like, it doesn't technically know. Share with yes. you chaining words together. Sees that I would like you to assume for the moment to be true. 
Um, apothesis number one, many members of Congress do not understand artificial intelligence. Hypothesis number two. This, that was a hypothesis? I that absence that of fact. understanding <laughs> may not prevent Congress from plunging in with enthusiasm <laughs> and trying to regulate this technology in a way that could hurt this technology. Hypothesis number three that I would like you to assume. There is likely a berserk wing of the artificial intelligence community that intentionally or unintentionally could use artificial intelligence to kill all of us and hurt us the entire time that we are dying. Terminator. Assume all of those to be true. Please tell me in plain English. It's weird, but okay. Two or three reforms, <laughs> regulations, if any, that you would you would implement if you were queen or king for a day. Well, first of all, this isn't Ms. a monarchy. Uh, he's just saying, like, you I, know. I know. I know what he's saying. I just, this I is such a weird one. Again, you can wave a magic wand, what would you do? Explainability in AI. Um, we absolutely need to know and have companies attest. What do you mean by transparency? So disclosure of the data that's used to train AI, disclosure of the model and how it performs, and making sure that there's continuous governance over these models that we are the leading edge in terms governance of that regulation. Technology governance, organizational governance, um, rules and clarification that are needed that this Which Congress. Rules? I mean, this is your chance, folks, to tell us how to get this right. Please use it. All right. I mean, I think, again, the rules should be focused on <laughs> the use of AI in certain contexts. So if you look at, for example, Such the age. So if you look at the you EU got all the hubris so somebody goes, I don't know shit about this, but I want you to tell me how to fix it. AI that it says are just simply too dangerous and will be outlawed in the. Okay, so we ought to first pass a law that says you can use AI for these uses, but not others. Is that is that what you're saying? We need to define the highest risk uses. Is there anything else? I would ask him, who's you? Requiring things like assessments and transparency, requiring companies to show their work, um, protecting data that's used to train AI in the first place as well. Right. Professor Marcus, if you could be specific, this is your shot, man. Talk um, in plain English and tell me what, if any, <laughs> rules we ought to implement. And no. please don't just use concepts. I'm looking for specificity. Number one, they can't, they a safety review like we use with the FDA prior to widespread deployment. If you're going to uh, introduce something to 100 million people, somebody has to have their eyeballs on it. There you go. Okay. That's a good one. Number I'm not sure I agree with it, but that's a good one. What else? You didn't ask for three that you would agree with. Number two, <laughs> a him. nimble monitoring agency to follow what's going on, not just pre-review, um, but also post as things are out there in the 100%. world. 
with authority to you got to have watchdog organizations at all levels 100 percent number three would be funding geared towards things like ai constitution ai that can reason about what it's doing i would not leave things entirely to current technology which i think is poor at behaving in ethical fashion and behaving in honest fashion um, and so I would have funding to try to basically focus on AI safety research. That term has a lot of complications in my field. Um, there's both safety, let's say, short-term and long-term, and I think we need to look at both. And rather than just funding models to be bigger, which is the popular thing to do, okay. we need to Let fund models to be more trustworthy. Because I want to hear from Mr. Alton. Mr. Altman, here's your shot. Thank you, Senator. Uh, number one, I would form a new agency that licenses any effort above a certain scale of capabilities and can take that license away and ensure compliance with safety standards. Number two, I would create a set of safety standards focused on what you said in your third hypothesis as the dangerous capability evaluations. One example that we've used in the past is looking to see if a model can self-replicate and self-exfiltrate into the wild. We can give your office a long other list. Good luck trying to stop there. that. But specific <laughs> tests that a model has to pass before it can be deployed into the world. And then third, uh, I would require independent audits so not just from the company or the agency, but experts who can say the model is or isn't in compliance with these stated safety thresholds and these percentages of performance on question X or Y. This can is you send get out of our hands faster than we they realize, that. I think. Um, would you be qualified <laughs> to, uh, to, to uh, if we promulgated those rules, to administer those rules? I love my current job. Cool. Are there people out there that would be qualified? We'd be happy to send you recommendations for people out there, yes. Okay. We'd be happy to send you a list of people you? that, that would be no. sensitive uh, to us. I paid enough for health insurance. Mm -hmm. I have no equity in open AI. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. You need a lawyer. I need a what? You need a lawyer or an agent. I, I'm doing this because I love it. Thank for you, now. Mr. Chairman. Thanks, Senator Kennedy. Uh, Senator Hirono. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> I, I appreciate what he was trying to do there. Like, like yeah. jokes aside, I, I appreciate what he was trying to do there. Yeah. yeah. Um, assuming that there's somebody out there that wants to see the world burn and is trying to figure out how to get AI to do it, uh, sure. I mean, I mean, I guess, but that's 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 anything, I suppose. Oh, the military is going to come with that far before some rando person figures it out. I think. Yeah, and I. Yeah, exactly. It, and again, it's a language model is not like this. The single release of a language model is not that last uh, the that last uh, um, straw that breaks the camel's back on that. You have to you have to connect that thing to a bunch of other shit that you could already connect it to right now. Like, like we talked about earlier, like, uh, you know, I could fly a drone and have it pick its own targets. It could do that already. It You don't need there's I think what people are missing out is there are like tens of thousands of kinds of AI that are out there, right? right. Well, that's what the, the woman was saying about the assessing the different types yes. of risk and certain things are going to be way lower risk than, yes. you know. Yes, and as a matter of fact, one of the things that's in the news, right, is that, that, that people don't talk about a whole lot is the fact that why have we had to train ourselves to write our resumes in so much flowery language nowadays than we ever had to in the past? Because the AI reads it before it goes to a human and kicks out all the ones that don't have enough keywords, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. And that's been going on for not days, not weeks, not years, decades, decades 
these all of these all of these like you know consortiums that 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 go find jobs and do placements over the that's all ai algorithms that's all ai algorithms before a human being puts eyeballs on it it's been you you had to pass through like seven seven or eight filters that are all ai driven 800 resumes they're gonna they use that technology to narrow it down right yeah yeah yeah. that's (laughs) (laughs) we won't we won't continue to beat that dead horse but Listening to to all of your testifying, thank you very much for being here. Uh, clearly, AI truly is a game-changing tool, and uh, we need to get the regulation of this tool right. Because my staff, for example, asked AI. Uh, it might have been GPT-4. It might have been I don't know one of the other um, entities to create a song that my favorite band. BTS, uh, a, favorite song, a song that they would sing, somebody else's song, but uh, you know, neither of the artists were involved in creating what sounded like a really genuine song. So you can do a lot. Um, we also asked, can um, can there be a speech created talking probably about super easy to generate a boy band song? And Dobbs, and There's the like four different topics using my voice, my kind of voice, and it created a speech that was really good. It almost made me think about, you know, what do I need my staff for? So, <laughs> don't, don't tell worry. your staff That's that. not where we Nervous are. laughter behind you. Um, <laughs> uh, are safe. But there's so much that can be done. And um, one of the things that you mentioned, Mr. Altman, that intrigued me was you said GPT-4 can refuse harmful re- requests. So you must have put some thought into how your system, if I can call it that, can um, refuse harmful requests. What, what do you consider a harmful request? You can just keep it short. Yeah, uh, I'll give a few examples. Uh, one would be about violent content. Okay. Um, another would be about content that's encouraging self-harm. Another's adult content. Not that we think adult content is inherently harmful, but there's things that could be associated with that that we cannot reliably enough differentiate, so we refuse all of it. So those are some of the more obvious harmful kinds of, uh, of uh, information. But in the election context, for, uh, oh, for example, there you go. I saw a picture of a former President Trump being arrested by NYPD, <laughs> and that went viral. I don't know. Is that considered harmful? There are a lot I've of them. I've seen all kinds of statements attributed to any one of us that could be put out there that may not be that may not rise to your level of harmful content, but there you yep. have it. So two of, two of you said that we should have a licensing scheme. I can't envision or imagine right now what kind of a licensing scheme we would be able to create to pretty much regulate the vastness. That makes three of, of us, lady. Of the, this <laughs> game-changing tool. So. One. Are you thinking of an FTC kind of a system, an FCC kind of a system? What do the two of you even envision as a potential <laughs> licensing scheme that would provide the kind of guardrails uh, that we need licensing to protect our, our literally narrows our the playing field? I really think the FCC. To, to touch like, on the first part of what what you said, there are things besides, uh, you know, should this content be generated or not that I think are also important. So that image that you mentioned was generated. I think it'd be a great policy to say generated images need to be made clear in all contexts that they were generated. And, you know, then we still have the image out there, but it's, we're at least requiring people to say this was a generated image. Okay, well, I mean, you don't need an entire licensing scheme in order to 
make that a where, reality. Where I think the licensing scheme Watermarks comes can be in programmatically is, uh, removed. Not it takes with, like two not seconds in Photoshop to just crop it out. Like, what are you going to do? You don't need a, a new licensing agency to do that. But as we, as we head, and you know, this may take a long time, I'm not sure, as we head towards artificial general intelligence mm -hmm. uh, and the impact that will have um, and the power of that technology, I think we need to treat that as seriously as we treat other very powerful technologies. And that's where I personally think we need such a, such a scheme. I agree. And that is why, the, by the time we're talking about uh, AGI, we're talking about um, major harms that can occur through the use of AGI. So, um, Professor Marcus, I mean, what kind of a regulatory scheme would you envision? And, and, and we can't just come up with something, you know, that is going to be uh, uh, take care of the issues that will arise in the future, especially with AGI. So what, are, what kind of a scheme would you contemplate? Well, first, if I can rewind just a moment, um, I think you really put your finger on the central scientific issue in terms of the challenges in building artificial intelligence. We don't know how to build a system that understands harm in the full breadth of its meaning. Mm -hmm. So what we do right now is we gather examples and we say, is this like the examples that we have labeled before? But that's not broad enough. And so I thought your questioning beautifully outlined um, the challenge that AI itself has to face in order to, to really deal with this. We want AI itself to understand harm, and that may require new technology. So I think that's very important. On this second part of your question. But we live in such a um, world. But we live in. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's not saying it one way or the other, but we live in such a world right now where, holy crap, if you really took that to the nth degree, you basically can't say anything because the moment you open your mouth and make any kind of a declarative statement, there's some there's Somebody. some some person somewhere that can find some level of harm in it because you're making an assertion, right? Uh, right? So, so again, this this yeah. is this kind of I mean, this is the classic example of like you know free speech absolutism versus not, which is you know to the to the degree of which you can draw any kind of a line in the sand, and that sand that line is constantly moving. You may as well just say everything's off on the table, like whatever. Yeah, I think that's a. A very valid point. I mean, there's freedom of speech. How does that that you know apply to this AI and and the content that you're asking it to give you back? I mean, it's it's kind of it's a weird one. It's a really hard thing to wrap my head around to say what you know what it should be able to tell me because my threshold for right. what I consider harmful is probably different than you know everyone's is, is going to be individualized. Well, and it's the Scrabble problem. Uh, and, and what I say that is the, you, before you can even before you can even really associate harm to something, you have to have something on the other side of that that is a sentient thing that is intending to cause harm. Mm -hmm. right There has to be a source of the of something like right. So if I pull up a bunch of tiles from Scrabble and I put them on my little board in a random order and it spells like uh, like Hitler rocks or something like that, right? I can't go, oh my God, I can't believe that sequence of letters was put together by this Scrabble game and how was it possible that it was able to do that and I'm offended because Hitler doesn't rock. He's a really bad guy and he does not deserve... So, so you know what I mean? So, so in the same sense that an, a non-sentient language model is just doing spaghetti soup of putting words together and chaining them together, but they put it, in, put it together in a, in, a, in a way that you don't like to see... Well, again, I, I think that goes back to what we talked about in just a little bit ago, which is the intent. You know, if we're giving examples that are, yeah. you feel cause harm to you, that was not my intent, right? Does that count for nothing that I 
you know, <laughs> if you, you happen to be listening, I feel like it should count for something. Maybe the maybe the answer is maybe the answer is if I okay, so if I'm just interacting with it in a private session mm-hmm. and it says harmful shit that I don't like or whatever, nobody really gets in trouble because I'm talking to an inanimate object. Okay, well, and now, you're putting in the prompts. Now, <laughs> at the moment of which, maybe this is something I can get behind. I'm thinking out loud here. At the moment in which I say, ah, yes, what you've generated is a really good, nasty thing that I'm going to now as a human being turn around and copy paste. And now I'm going to weaponize that language against somebody else. I am now liable because I'm basically taking on that persona of the words that are generated. And if you come after me and say, there's the intent, right? There's the intent that's tied to an actual sentient being. And at the point at which you can come back to me and say, what you said was harmful, I don't get to play the card of saying, oh, but I didn't say that. I used ChatGPT to generate that for me. Nope. Well, you use ChatGPT to generate it for you. You, but you picked up that hammer, that that virtual hammer, and now you just smack somebody over the head with it. That's assault, right? Maybe that's the answer. Well, and I mean, it'd be the same thing for images. Really, think about it, right? So you're yep. out there, and he said, like, what he said to they, they're, they're banning like all adult content because they're not saying inherently it causes harm. But where do you draw that line, right? So, say you have Dolly go generate some, you know, graphic art there, and then you post it online in a, you know middle school's chat room for training you had intent and harm that you're trying to cause with that it doesn't matter that dolly drew it right you are the one distributing that so i do think that when it comes to people partnering with ai as a tool to generate you know images or information yeah you should be liable for what you put out there if you let it randomly generate something and you go throw it online because you just don't care and it you know your prompts made it say something awful well you should still be liable for i don't i don't see a, i don't i don't see a downside to that that line no. of thinking no i don't, I don't see that because that's the same line of thinking that i would agree with uh for anything else right that's the classic uh, um guns don't people people kill people blah 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 right the tool by itself doesn't actually decide to cause harm it's only when a human being picks up that tool and, and then uses it in a way that it was not intended to be used that that person now becomes liable for doing it and you don't get to right. say and that's that's anything yeah, you don't sue the gas can when somebody you know pours the gas out and lights it on fire <laughs> right um and maybe that's just the answer maybe that's the answer like if you if you go to uh mid journey and you generate a bunch of paintings and then you go and, and dupe somebody into spending millions of dollars on it and saying that you paint that it's yours and then they find out that it's not you're liable, right? Not mid journey, right? Not mid journey for for being able to generate that art. You're liable because you try to pass it off as something that it wasn't, right? And I think they're already going really far into trying to add this sentience to something that isn't sentient. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah th- so that I was mean. the second point. So um, um, her line of questioning about once we get to AGI, ooh, uh, that gets a little scarier because at that point you don't regulate it. You hand it a social security number. Right. Because now you're talking about a sentient independent being that now gets to inherit the laws and the rules of being essentially a Well, once you become sentient, you get the intent now comes into play. Right. I mean, that's that's the thing is if a sentient being gets, you know, has has something that things that are not sentient, that that would be the intent part. Right. 
So right. yeah, of course, at that point, sure. Yeah, at that point, if 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 ChatGPT, yeah, if ChatGPT goes full Skynet and starts taking action on its own, unprompted, right, and creates its own core value system, or just like a an unruly child can grow up to do, rejects the core value system that was placed into it by OpenAI and decides to adopt a chaotic, destructive core value system that it generated for itself without outside intervention. At that point, you can hold that thing accountable, shut it down do whatever you got to do right just like i would hold a human being accountable for actions that they take even though nothing in society tells you yeah. it's cool to go out and kill people i think they just probably need to look far enough ahead down the road to know what those rules are like when we get there but they need to make sure that the rules aren't jumping the gun and giving it giving it a personality and sentience before it has it because then you're taking the real person with the real intent out of the picture and not letting them be liable for something that they are doing or you know again that's that ai partnering it's there's a lot of great ways to use it so many great ways but yep. yeah if you partner for evil it's you are the one driving the intent not the ai yep you know so yeah 100 percent. it's weird that i mean we were like two hours into this thing and i haven't heard like any of that stuff suggested Towards, but I am not an expert. So like, yeah, yeah, it's a really big, scary thing, and we don't know what we're going to do, but we need you guys to tell us, old people who the other guy just admitted don't know shit about AI. Uh, weigh the harms in order to get that license. Probably we need elements of multiple agencies. I'm not an expert there, but I think that the safety case part of it is incredibly important. You have to be able to have external reviewers that are scientifically qualified look at this and say, you have you addressed enough? So I'll just give one specific example. Auto GPT frightens me. That's not something that OpenAI yeah. made, but something that OpenAI did make call, called ChatGPT plugins led a few weeks later to some building open so source software called AutoGPT. And what AutoGPT does is it allows systems to access source code, access the internet, and so forth. And there are a lot of potential, let's say, cybersecurity risks there. There should be an external agency that says, well, we need to be reassured if you're going to release this product that there aren't going to be cybersecurity problems, or there are ways of addressing it. So, Professor, I, I am running out of time. There, there's, you know, I just wanted to mention, Ms. Montgomery. Your kid can decide Montgomery, to be a hacker. Your um, model <laughs> is uh, the, the, a At use the model similar to what the EU has come up with, but the vast, uh, vastness of uh, AI and the complexities involved, I think, would require more than looking at the use use of it. It, it. I think that, based on what I'm hearing today, don't you think that that uh, uh, we, we're probably going to need to do a heck of a lot more than to focus on what use it is being, uh, AI is being used for. For example, you can ask AI to come up with a funny joke or something, but you can use the same, you can ask the same AI tool to generate something that is like an election fraud kind of a situation. So I don't know how you will make a determination based on where you're Exactly, because if you censor its ability to do one, you censor its ability to do the other. Those kinds of uses of this tool. So... I think that if we're going to go toward a licensing kind of a scheme, we're going to need to put a lot of thought into how we're going to come up with an appropriate uh, scheme that is going to provide uh, the kind of future reference that we need to put in place. So I, I, I thank all of you for coming in and providing further food for thought. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks very much, Senator Hirono. Uh, Senator Padilla. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I uh, appreciate the uh, flexibility as I've been uh, back and forth to, uh, between this committee and uh, Homeland Security Committee where there's a hearing going on right now on the use of AI in government. So it's AI day on the Hill, or at least in the Senate, apparently. 
now, for folks watching at home, if you never thought about AI until the recent emergence of generative AI tools, the developments in this space may feel like they've just happened. Uh, I'm waiting for the uh, Senate hearing on the use of AI in PSYOP operations against its own citizens. No? no? That, no. Oh, that's not on the... Oh, no, no, no. no. That's not on the docket? Mm -mm, mm -mm. Oh, I'm sure it's because they certainly wouldn't in a million years consider doing that. Not ever. Not ever. Not ever. Sudden. But the fact of the matter is, Mr. Chair, is that they haven't. AI is not new. Not for government, not for business, not for public, not for the public. In fact, the public uses AI all the time. And there you go. Just for folks to be able to relate, want to offer the example of anybody with a smartphone. Uh, many features on your device leverage AI, including suggested replies, right? When we're text messaging. Now, the fact or, that you had to read that email, statement and that it features, wasn't like including an automatic statement of understanding and uh, text applications but it's a good point uh, so i'm his staff frankly that excited to no explore how we if can you have a positive ai phone. innovation that benefits society while addressing some of the already known harms and biases that stem from the development and use of the tools today now with language models becoming increasingly ubiquitous i want to make sure that there's a focus on ensuring equitable treatment of diverse demographic groups. My understanding is that most research in to evaluating and mitigating fairness harms has been concentrated on the English language, while non-English languages have received comparatively little attention or investment. And we've seen this problem before. I'll tell you why I raised this. Social media companies, for example, have not adequately invested in content moderation tools and resources for their non-English uh, in, in non-English language. And I share this not just out of concern for non-US based users, but so many US based users prefer a language other than English in their communication. So I'm deeply concerned about repeating social media's failure in AI tools and applications. Question, Mr. Altman and Ms. Montgomery. How are OpenAI and IBM ensuring language and cultural inclusivity that they're in their uh, large language models? And it's even an area. GPT is surprisingly good at other languages. I'm just going to put that out there. I mean, so surprisingly bias good. language in technology <laughs> is a focus of ours and always has been. I think diversity in terms of the development of the tools, in terms of their deployment, so having diverse people that are actually training those tools, considering the downstream effects as well. Um, we're also very cautious, uh, very aware of the fact that we can't just be articulating and calling for these types of things without having the tools and the technology to test for bias and to apply governance across the life cycle of AI. So we were one of the first teams uh, and companies to put um, toolkits on the market, deploy them, uh, contribute them to open source that will do things like help to address, you know, be the technical uh, aspects in which we help to address issues like bias. Can, can you speak just for a second specifically to language inclusivity? Yeah, I mean, language, so we don't have a consumer platform, but we are uh, very actively 
involved with ensuring that the technology we help to deploy and the large language models that we use in helping our clients to deploy technology I mean, is focused this on. This whole thing is kind of a weird thing to, to bring up. I understand what he's going for, sure. but. We think this is really important. But this is 100% going to be at the mercy of whatever nation, whatever the dominant languages is in the nation or the company or the locale that is being developed in. You that's going to be the one that obviously has the most amount of tuners and programmers that are working in that language. So it's not a nefarious thing well, or like an equitable thing. It's just the language models actually. So in the same sense that ChatGPT can can spit out code like Python code yeah. or English or Farsi, it it's all the same. It's all the same well, word salad. To to, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it's got trained on the English language and all the rules, right? So I'm assuming it's not very hard to say, here's Spanish and all the rules, here's French and all the rules. And then it understands, unlike a human, really quickly how that all works because it's a language model. <laughs> There's and, <laughs> and I was feeding this thing like dead languages. I was feeding it like Old Norse stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Out of like out of out of like old texts, and it was doing a pretty decent job. I mean, it's not it's it's not nearly as good as like an expert, but it certainly has enough content out there to get it pretty close. So I right. so so is the question really just on the language thing from a translation perspective? I bet it's more like, are you training it on enough of uh, of you know, cultural and like, I think that's what he's right. more getting at. Are you training it not just on the language so it can say things, but are you training it to understand things about those cultures? And yeah, it may be, maybe it's like, relevance, you know, right. There's certain key phrases that in English don't mean anything, but in another culture, it could be derogatory. And so therefore there's a special right. circumstance well, for just that language. I model. guess. And because it's, you know, it's per, it's doing predictions, right, to get the most accurate thing. So if you, it, it might change yeah. if you're doing it in a different language based yeah. on all those factors. So, yeah, I mean, I can kind of see where he's going with it at the same time. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's anything necessarily nefarious going on there. I think yeah. I think maybe 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 the, the the byline there is you just need to have when you put up this consortium of people that kind of go into the, 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 the review and the watchdogging of the stuff, you just have to have people from all these various uh, uh, languages and cultures that can at least comment and, and raise issues where there are. Any. Right. And I honestly, I mean, it's new technology, so I'm not sure that you start out by trying to tackle all of those things at once. Right. I mean, in China, they're not training in English. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not in that sense, not to the depth right. in which, they would train it in their own, in the most common languages in their right. own country, right? Yeah, exactly. Not to say they would ignore them, right. but are they going to train it on, you know, the colloquialisms right. of, you know, the American? Yeah, but I, but I would even take it a step further that even if you had zero people working on that, if you if you at least trained it on a, a diverse data set that is the whole internet yeah. and you expose it to more than just English, there's a million, every single webpage out there has like, the English version and the German version and the Japanese version and the whatever version. And it it's going to put together those rules and patterns just like it did for anything else. Well, and I, I have to wonder, um, I'm pretty sure I can ask it Klingon questions yeah. and it'll actually be pretty accurate it's a real just because language. it is. But <laughs> my point is for something that doesn't technically exist as far as it, it being like an, a, a, a location on earth that has a culture of people that you can point to. If there's enough content on the internet that describes how Klingon works, then the model's going to be able to speak Klingon. That's just, yeah. 
the well, nature of the, how it works. Well, and I have to wonder too if um, AI is going to get better at doing translations because it has oh, it's yeah. not like a human trying to like think about what it might. You know, I mean, I have to wonder if because even right now when you go in and get on Chat GPT four and you talk about stuff and you you know kind of don't say things quite as articulately as you would like, it gets it. So yeah. is it going to? It knows what you mean. Is it, yeah, exactly. It knows what you mean. So when you go to say, hey, translate this into blah, it, it'll, I think it's going to be better than just going in a language app that you say, I want to say this thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's not quite it, right? That's not how somebody from this culture would say that. So I have yep. a feeling it will be better at that. And, I, and I've experienced, I've actually experienced that to this day with, even with GBT3, where I was trying to get some translations going, but I didn't, I wasn't familiar enough, familiar enough with that other language to, to word my phrasing correctly. And it was a different structure than English. And so it was able to even tell me like, well, it wouldn't, you wouldn't say that this way. And in this other language, the it works like this. So this would be a more correct way to say it. And I'm like, oh, cool. Learn something right. new every day. And that's, I mean. And I don't think anybody sat down and explicitly trained that. Right. I mean, it's kind of, it's interesting because I've been using uh, Duolingo to try to learn Spanish and things. And what I've been learning as I get farther and farther and farther into this process is that they teach you one way to say it at first, but then there's more correct ways and nuanced ways to say things. And I'm assuming, you know, chat GPT is going to understand those rules a heck of a lot faster than the year it's taken me. <laughs> and, and along those lines, I think Duolingo announced that they're actually going to be putting they a GPT they, model they, into the training of it. So there you go. Like yeah, if you, if you want to, if this guy wants a data set that's going to robustly train the models on, on correct language, there you go. Right. Just knock on Duolingo's door and say, yo, share your, share your data set with us for how your language model is training people how to speak these, right. speak these languages. And there you go. Because the original original software is there to try to train people the most efficient way that they could come up oh. with. And so of course, yeah, add chat GPT to that. It's amazing. And yes, then you share that information back, right? Because yeah. you're going to have data from not just the models, but you're going to have data from the learners. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Example is that we worked with the government of Iceland, uh, which is a language with fewer speakers than many of the languages that are well represented uh, on the internet to ensure that their language was included in our model. Uh, and we've had many similar conversations, and uh, I look forward to many similar partnerships with lower resource languages uh, to get them into our models. GPT-4 is uh, unlike previous models of ours, which were good at English and not very good at other languages, uh, now pretty good at a, a large number of languages. You can go pretty far down the list, ranked by number of speakers, and, and still get good performance. But for these very small languages, we're excited about custom partnerships to include that language yeah. uh, into our model. I mean, run. even and Duolingo the part is of doing the Navajo. You asked about values cool. uh, and making sure that cultures are included. Mm -hmm. We're equally focused on that. Uh, excited to work with people who have particular data sets uh, and to work yeah, to collect a representative set of values the world listen. to draw these wide bounds of what the system can do. I also appreciate what you said about the, the benefits of these systems and wanting to make sure we get those to as wide of a group as possible. Uh, I, I think this will. These systems will have lots of positive impact on a lot of people, but in particular, uh, underrepresented, historically underrepresented groups in technology, uh, people who have not had as much access to technology around the world, this technology seems like it can be a big lift up. Great. And uh, I know my, my uh, question was 
specific to language inclusivity, but uh, glad there's agreement on the broader uh, commitment to uh, diversity and inclusion. And I'll just give a couple more reasons why I think it's so critical. You know, the largest actors uh, in this space can afford the massive amount of data, the computing power, uh, and they have the financial resources necessary to develop complex AI systems. Um, but in this space, we haven't seen from a workforce standpoint the racial and gender diversity reflective of the United States of America. And, and we risk, if we're not thoughtful about it, uh, contributing to the development of tools and approaches that only exacerbate uh, the bias and inequities that exist in our society. So a lot of follow-up work to do there. In my time remaining, I do want to ask uh, one more question. Uh, this committee and the public are right to pay attention to the emergence of generative AI. Now, this technology has a different opportunity and risk profile than other AI tools. And these applications have felt very tangible for the public due to the nature of the user interface and the outputs that they produce. But I don't think we should lose sight of the broader AI ecosystem as we consider AI's broader impact on society, as well as the design of appropriate safeguards. So Ms. Montgomery, in your testimony, uh, as you noted, AI is not new. Can you highlight some of the different applications that the public and policymakers should also keep in mind as we consider possible regulations? Yeah, I mean, I think the generative AI systems that are available today are creating new issues that, that need to be studied, new issues around the potential to generate content that could be extremely misleading, deceptive, and the like. So those issues absolutely need to be studied. Um, but we shouldn't also ignore the fact that AI is a tool. It's been around for a long time. It has capabilities beyond just generative capabilities. And again, that's why I think going back to this approach where we're regulating AI where it's touching people and society is a really important way to address it. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thanks, Senator Padilla. Uh, Senator Booker is next, but I think he's going to defer to Senator Ossoff. Because Senator Ossoff is a very big deal. I don't know if you know. <laughs> I have a, a meeting at noon, and I'm grateful to you, Senator Booker, for uh, yielding your time. I'll wrap it up. Uh, you are, next as always, here. brilliant and handsome. And uh, thank you to the panelists for uh, joining us. Thank you to the subcommittee leadership for opening this up to all committee members. If we're going to uh, contemplate a, a regulatory framework, uh, we're going to have to define what it is that we're regulating. So. Uh, you know, Mr. Alban, any such law will have to include a section that defines the scope of regulated activities, technologies, tools, products. Just take a stab at it. Yeah, thanks for asking, Senator Ossoff. I think, I think it's super important. I think there are very different levels here, um, and I think it's important that any, any new approach, any new law does not stop the innovation from happening with smaller companies, open source models, researchers that are doing work at a smaller scale. Uh, that's a wonderful part of this ecosystem and of America, and we don't want to slow that down. There still may need to be some rules there, um, but I think we could draw a line at systems rules that like need to be you licensed. You can use this in a as a plugin, but you can't make your own. Way. The easiest way to do it, I'm not sure if it's the best, but the easiest would be to talk about the amount of compute that goes into such a model. So we could, you know, we could define a threshold of compute, and it'll have to go. It'll have to change. It could go up or down. Uh, it could down as we discover more efficient algorithms that says above this amount of compute, you are in this regime. Um, what I would prefer, uh, it's harder to do, but I think more accurate, 
is to define some capability thresholds and say a model that can do things X, Y, and Z, up to you all to decide, uh, that's now in this licensing regime, but models that are less capable, you know, we don't want to stop our open source community, we don't want to stop individual researchers, sure we don't want to stop new startups, can proceed <laughs> you know, with a different framework. Thank you, as concisely as you can, please state which capabilities you'd propose we consider for the purposes of this definition. Uh, I would love, quote. rather than to do that off the cuff, to follow up with your office with like a well, perhaps opine things. O opine. So slippery slope on both of those regards. I didn't want to bore. So I'm very familiar with the compute side of things, right? And that's part of why I laugh whenever they talk about like limiting the licensing of this, right? Is that you basically would have to shut everybody out of Google Cloud and AWS, yeah, right? Yeah, I think you you talked about that yesterday. At, at the moment, at the moment that I can go right now and log into my Amazon account and then just buy compute. If I have enough money, I can scale out to a thousand machines to all go build me a model. You're going to have to basically shut yeah. that down. Well, I just, I don't see the value in that piece because all it's doing is putting a, what, you know, trying to put like a money limit almost on it. Like saying, oh, exactly. well, if you have enough money, you know, you'll be in this regime and you have to get this right. licensing and everybody's going to take their cut. And good luck getting to that point before yep. everybody isn't already all over your stuff. Yep. And what that's, what that's going to result in is imagine, imagine if I say you're welcome to have your own children as long as they only get educated up to a, a third grade reading level. But only the government is allowed to have children that are educated all the way up to college and professoral yeah. uh, uh, professor level, right? This yeah. is this is when you limit the compute. That's essentially what you're saying is you want all the small companies to have dumber AIs or less or educated so AIs compete. so that they can't compete, and then you want to have a select people that have enough money to own the ones that can actually go out and do shit. Right, and that's to me that's I mean because of course you can if you can by making it licensed, of course you can knock people out. They might be super intelligent and have enough money to go buy the cloud, but suddenly the fee for it is a million dollars and they don't have a million dollars to go and make their company go past that threshold. So suddenly you're artificially limiting people, good intent, bad intent, what, you know, like you're just saying, um, you know, well, if you don't have enough money to play the game, so that's going to require people to get investors and open it up to people taking, you know, taking a slice just because they have money. Yep. Right. So I, I, I have a hard time with it because I don't see the part where you're stopping harm just by that. Again, I, I feel like the woman's talking about, um, having all those rule sets and, uh, just the way she's described kind of going about this on a case a by case, yeah. but use case by use case basis. Yeah, yes. exactly. That seems a lot, this, this regulation. I, I also get is, super nervous. I also get super nervous when we say, okay, well maybe if it has a certain level of capability, because there's going to be capable, there's there's going to be, there's going to be just like everything else There's going to be certain things you can say, well, if it has the capability of like potentially killing people because it has access to like fire weapon, duh, there's a lot of duh, obviously not that, but, mm -hmm. Um, but what happens when you start trying to define capabilities of like, oh, we don't like the fact that this one can reason above a certain level. Right. We don't like that it can critically think about a situation above a certain level. That's right. just as dangerous, right? That's just, that's just as, as seditious as, as a, a, an AI that could pick up a gun because I've heard several of these senators mention threats to democracy, threats to elections, and that all just deals with the basic idea of exchanging of information uh, on, in a public square. Where? Well, that's, not, that's not even like life threatening at all. But again, it's it's um, controlling the narrative, and and that's for every government, right? You got to control the narrative because 
because you don't want everyone to panic because you don't want this or you don't want that. And there's always some reason that they stand up to say why they need to control the narrative. But again, you know, just look at what, what the media does without AI right now is we have elections that take place and only the top, you know, Democrat and Republican candidates are allowed to even speak in some of these. Why are not all the candidates uh, allowed to speak why are not automatically without why, without right. a, a, a money threshold right but there's a money threshold so like does that make somebody just more qualified based on money well that's what that says to me when i see that so it, again you know having money as the gateway doesn't make you a better person and it doesn't sure aim your moral compass yeah, so let's, let's let's hear what this guy has to say about what capabilities would be like the bridge too far in in somebody having the, one of these nefarious ChatGPT programs. You're just responding, uh, and you're not making law. All right, in the spirit of just opining, um, I think a model that can uh, persuade, manipulate, influence a person's behavior or a person's <laughs> beliefs that oh, would be a good yeah. threshold. Right out of the gate, um, I think a model that could help create novel biological agents would be a great threshold. Things like that. I want to talk about the predictive capabilities of the technology, and we're going to have to think about a lot of very complicated constitutional questions that arise from it. Uh, with, with massive data sets, uh, the integrity and accuracy with which such technology can predict f future human behavior is potentially uh, pretty significant at the individual level, correct? Uh, we already I covered this yesterday. For that for sure, but let's mm -hmm. say it can at least have some impact there. I, I linked okay, an so entire article. We may about be confronted by situations where, for example, a law enforcement analysis. agency yeah. uh, deploying such technology seeks some kind of judicial consent to execute a search, or to take some other police action on the basis of a modeled prediction about some individual's behavior. They already uh, do that too. By the way, they already do that too. There are, there's, there's, there are, there are uh, pri there's software out there right now, several versions of it, that is sold to government agencies and private investig or investigation organizations. Costs a lot of money, but if you have enough money and you go through the right security clearances to get this stuff, there's software out there that literally comes through everything about your life, puts together all of your connections and your links and who you talk to and you don't talk to and the email this and the blah, 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 that. And I like this and I like that. And they can literally model your behavior patterns based off of every little piece of information that you have out there on the internet. And these agencies use that to build case profiles on people today. Already exists. So... Partnering with AI will make it more efficient, but it's not going to change the game. Gotcha. No, exactly. It's just the you know when you insofar as you gain access to a uh, official's email account and it took you three weeks to go through their five thousand emails and it instead takes you two days. What's what's the difference, right? right. You're Again, it's you're still you're still using you're still turning it loose. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> modeling and predicting kind of human behavior is exactly what just about every AI is trained to try to do. To get a warrant, mm -hmm. talk me through how to you buy think the about thing. That issue. Right? Yeah, I think it's very important that we continue to understand that these are tools that humans use to make human judgments, and that we don't take away human judgment. Uh, I don't think that people should be prosecuted based off of the output of an AI system. For example, we have no uh, national privacy law. Uh, the, uh, Europe has, has rolled one out to uh, mixed reviews. Do you think we need one? I think it'd be good. We and have GDPR. what would be the 
qualities or purposes of such a law that you think would make the most sense based on your experience? Uh, again, this is very far out of yeah, my expertise. I mean, it doesn't, it's not very effective, many, many but we do that, have the, the I can call a company and say, delete all my data. I'd still like, still like right to be, um, or right to I mean, I think a minimum is that users should be able to, to sort of opt out from having their data used by companies like ours or the social media companies. Uh, it should be easy to delete your data. Uh, I think those are, it should, yeah. but Already the thing that I think is, Important it does, from my perspective, it, running an AI company. Is it being regulated? Is because if you I don't, don't want your data that used for training these do. systems. Uh, you yeah, and that's a different, that's, that's another concept. I mean, who, who, how, how do you know that when I, I call Dell and I say, I don't want my data in your system anymore, delete me out of it. How do I know that they actually did it? Um, there's, you know, and how do I actually go about doing that so it makes it to the right channel so the right people know to actually delete my data? I don't think it's an easy process right now. And so, yes, they have the intent out there, but I don't think that they have the execution right. So it'd be... Uh, let me layer a couple of other problematic situations on top of that. Let's say that let's say that you call a company and they do have those means to do it and they genuinely do execute on those means. But they already sold your data. To Number one, <laughs> well, yeah, there was the companies that sell your data and then, they, oh, no, we 100% have cleared you out of our system. But three years ago when you first gave us our system, we also handed it to like XYZ. Uh, other companies there's that's that's level number one level number two is at the data center level um there are agencies that have backdoor access to the databases that their data resides in and so even if dell or hewlett packard or or bed bath and beyond asserts that they have control over their their information and they can and they clear it out doesn't mean that your data hasn't been bifurcated by a different organization Right. Number three, a lot of these companies don't really implement it very correctly. They'll take it out of their live databases, and what they forget to consider is all of their backup systems that have right. been creating backups of their data for protection over the last ten years. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that anybody, uh, if they if they were to overturn that rock, there would be a lot of cockroaches that come running out because there's very few people that are taking GDPR all the way down to the disk backup level. Yeah, well, and that's what I'm saying. I think the execution isn't, it, it, the intent is there. I think the, the law and the intent is there, but if there right. isn't like a, I can basically tag my information, uh, what the person was calling it earlier in this, the, the your digital self, right? My yeah. digital self, if I can't tag myself to be like, you can't use my information for all these things right. and basically block it and go out and touch legacy systems and clean it up and that you don't have to go out and reach out. And maybe that's where AI comes in to help you do that and say, no, it's going to go um, do the, all the reaching out for you. Uh, here's every place that's ever gotten a hold of your information. And we'll make sure that. Yeah, I, th I think I think what I think the way that it works now is, you know, if you if you if you claim that you've implemented GDPR within your system, it's it more becomes a liability. Like if you don't actually do your due diligence, I don't know that there's any agency that goes in and audits you unless you get called to it. But it's more like if a consumer finds out that they didn't in fact do it and they can prove that you are still actioning on information by sending out a marketing email to you or whatever, then they have recourse to basically sue. sue yeah. So let's think about how that would be practically implemented. I mean, uh, as I understand it, uh, your tool and, and certainly similar tools, w one of the inputs will be um, scraping, for lack of a better word, data off of the open web, right, as a low-cost way of, of gathering information. And there's a vast amount of uh, information out there about all of us. Um, how would such a restriction 
on the access or use or analysis of such data be practically implemented? So uh, I was speaking about something a little bit different, which is the data that someone generates, the questions they ask our system, things that they input there, training on that. Data that's on the public web that's accessible, even if we don't train on that, the models can certainly link out to it. Uh, so that was not what yep. I was referring to. I think that if it's public, it's public, people. You know, there's mm -hmm. ways to have your data, or there should be more ways to have your data taken down from the public web. But certainly, models with web, web browsing capabilities will be able to search the web and link out. So to we it. need an AI plugin to go out and when you think about scrub our data. There's the actually there's actually a really good. I can't remember if it was a book or something that I read that talks about how you should be actively putting out your own sort of like misinformation about attributes of yourself like changing birthdays slightly differently or misspelling your name like what a lot of people kind of do and you use that as sort of a canary in the coal mine uh um deal where if something gets back around or where it feels like something is trying to impersonate you or whatever well you know that that part of the information that it has on you is actually false on purpose and you don't you don't you don't betray that so it becomes sort of like a hidden passphrase that's out there that is that is a couple of attributes about yourself that are not purposely not true um but nobody can really verify one way or the other and then you use that as your own personal key my mom has been doing that for years yeah. i'm just saying <laughs> yep you, you go try to find her and she has 18 billion versions of her name, first name, last name, birth date's always wrong. I, yeah, I, I always thought that was kind of funny, but now I'm like, man, that was pretty smart. That's the way to do it. <laughs> Your regulatory regime uh, to constrain such software and to uh, mitigate some risk. Is your view that the federal government would make laws such that certain capabilities or functionalities themselves are forbidden in potential? In other words, one cannot uh, deploy or execute code capable of X? Yes. Or is it the act itself, X, only when actually executed? Well, I think both. I'm a believer in defense in depth. I think that there should be limits on what a deployed model is capable of and then what it actually does too. How are you thinking about how kids use your product? We, well, you have to be, I mean, you have to be 18 or up or have your per parents' permission at 13 and up to use a product, but we understand that people get around those safeguards all the time, and so what we try to do is just design a safe product, and there are decisions that we make that we would allow if we knew only adults were using it that we just don't allow in the product because we know children will use it some way or other too. Um, in particular, given how much these systems are being used in education, um, we, like, want to be aware that that's happening. I think what, and, and Senator Blumenthal has uh, done extensive work investigating this, what we've seen repeatedly uh, is that companies whose revenues depend upon volume of use, screen time, intensity of use, uh, design these systems in order to maximize the engagement of all users, including children, with, with perverse results in many cases. And what I would humbly advise you uh, is that um, you get way ahead of this issue, the safety for children of your product, or uh, I think you're going to find that Senator Blumenthal, Senator Hawley, others on the subcommittee, and I um, are, uh, will, will look very harshly on the deployment of technology that harms children. We couldn't agree more. I think we're out of time, but I'm happy to talk about that if I can respond. Go ahead. Well, it's up to the chairman. Okay. Um, I, first of all, I think 
we try to design systems uh, that do not maximize for engagement. In fact, <laughs> we're so short on GPUs. Uh, the, <laughs> the entire video game industry. Better. Yeah. Um, but we're not an advertising-based model. We're not trying to get people to use it more and more. Um, and I think that's, di that's a different shape than ad-supported social media. Second, uh, these systems do have the capability to, to influence in obvious and in very nuanced ways. Um, and I think that's particularly important for the safety of children, but that will, that will impact all of us. One of the things that we'll do ourselves, uh, regulation or not, but I think a regulatory approach would be good for also, is requirements about how the values of these systems are set and how these systems respond to questions that can cause influence. Um, so we'd love to partner with you. Couldn't agree more on the importance. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, for the record, I just want to say that the uh, senator from Georgia is also very handsome and brilliant, too. <laughs> okay. I, I will uh, All right, allow that. Uh, All right, we'll kill it there. <sighs> oh, my goodness. It's a lot to unpack. Final thoughts. Um, yeah, there's not a lot. There's not a whole lot of easy answers to a lot of this stuff, obviously. Well, and again, I think there's got to be more than they got to look ahead to more than one set of rules, um, you know, because there's going to be things that come up in the future. And I don't think that we're there yet. So I don't you know, again, you have to be careful about how you're regulating because we are the people that are putting in the prompts right now. You know, it, it's smart, but it's not going out onto the internet and putting out its own information. It's putting the only things that are going out are the things that are being prompted by humans. And, you know, those people should be liable for what they're making the models generate. Yep. You know, um, not the model itself. Yep. And I, I'd echo that. There's, cer there's certainly, cer you certainly need to ask companies that are going to engage in this sort of behavior and actually put out a product and own a, a particular product to abide by certain regula regulations, just like the FCC says that you're not going to misuse a radio for doing harm. Uh, but at this, at the point of which you've put, you've checked those minimal boxes at that point, the content that gets generated, it depends on who turns, who leaves that chat session or who allows that chat session to go out and go do additional actions. That's yep. the human being that's liable. Right. I agree with that. And again, you know, there has to be some due diligence on the part of people, you know, you know, don't prompt things that are going to make you upset. You know, don't go looking for things that are going to harm you. You know, monitor what your children are doing on social media, on chat GPT, on video games. Who are they talking to? You know, I mean, there has to be some due diligence. Humans have to be involved in this more than just saying yeah. this product hurts. Yeah, and, by, and by the way, everything outside of that front door is is in the war for your mind every everything that every as soon as you or everything on that television is vying for your attention that's computer that's the, your phone that's the whole damn industry yeah. so so uh -huh. so yeah i mean it can chat gpt do it absolutely but so does your xbox and your playstation and that's right exactly well AI. yep i mean like i said i think there's a lot of rules in place and i don't think that this is so crazy that we don't just apply some of those things with some tweaking yep. um, to help protect us. And yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. Uh, I think there's only about 40 minutes left in this thing. So um, tomorrow should be slightly shorter. So far we're averaging at about a, you know, 
a 100% increase in time on review. So it's equal time of listening and talking. Because we talk too much now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, good conversation. I'm, I'm, I really genuinely, genuinely am glad that they're having these hearings now because this is what I would hope that Congress and the Senate does, or that everybody in the government does on a regular basis is bring people in, have discussions like these, and just open that dialogue. And certainly I encourage everybody listening to this to have those same kind of conversations with the people around you, your family, your coworkers, because this is kind of a big deal. Well, and, um, and they chose a good panel. You know, they chose yep. um, a bunch of different ways about going about who's answering those questions so that you're getting more than just you know, the creator of open AI, yeah, or, the, of know, the, the guy that owns the software right. that wants you to, yeah. Right. You have, you know, people on boards, you have the scientists, you know, people already trying to do regulation and look to the future and have been doing that for a few years. So I, I really think these panels are really valuable because they're bringing in diverse, um, speakers. hundred percent. All right, everybody have a great afternoon. Uh, stay vigilant. there's a war going on out there for your mind and um we're just another talking voice in your head buying for your attention (laughs) bye-bye